Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with Real Deal Talk. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you right now, um, this cat right here, I can't wait to tell the story. I mean, how me and you just bumped into each other again. But look, folks, gra- grab your seatbelts because I know, I, know, um, I know my podcasts are pretty entertaining, but this one's going to exceed all entertainment expectations because... <laughs> Because I got New York Mike in the house. If and if you've been in San Diego for any length of time for the last twenty, thirty years, then you know who New York Mike is. He is the original uh, on, only owner of uh, San Diego Harley Davidson, right? Nope. And well, you just sold it though, right? I just did, <clears throat> but it was owned originally by the Andres family. Oh, okay. actually, it was owned before them, but they were the the the, the people who. Owned it and made San Diego Harley Davidson famous yeah. back in the 50s. Wow. They were amazing people. Yeah. Brad Andres, who's still around, won the Daytona 200. That's like the Daytona 500, the yeah. motorcycle racing. Yep. is the day- And it used to be on the on the ocean, on the beach, right on the sand and up on A1A and all yeah. around. Yep. He won it twice. Really? Yeah. San Diego has more motorcycle champions than any other city in the world. I had no idea. Yeah, I know a lot of people don't. Wow. But it's just, and so uh, the Andre family owned it, and then they had to sell it because they they were downtown on India Street, and the city just knocked it down to build something, streets or buildings or, you know, whatever. And so they had to sell it, and they sold it to some... Wacko Some b- dude from Chicago. <laughs> Trust me, it's true. And no kidding. I came out here and I'd go to San. You know, I'm, I'm from New York. Yeah. I come out to California, yeah. man. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm riding motorcycles. No helmet laws. This is great. By the being, you know. Yeah, but I go. You know, I mean, this is the famous. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. Yeah. You know, if yeah. you think surfing is big in this country, you know, as far as a. You know, like a legendary serve. It's a legendary motorcycle place. Yes. Yeah. And I, I comment, like, what's up? This is a, the motorcycle shops are dumps. Yeah. They're, you know, yeah, they fancy paint jobs and blah, 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 blah. Nobody knew anything. Then I'd come to San Diego Harley Davidson and they had a couple of mechanics. The mechanic, John Ray, was the best mechanic I'd ever been to, but he was this, this mechanic. Yeah. You had to go through the shop to get to the, there was nothing there. It was the nothing. Nothing. A nothing burger. Nothing and then, burger. And the, and, the, and the other guy, Mike Hager, was a great guy, but he was like the opposite of John. Yeah. <laughs> and just some funny stuff, man. And I'm going, okay. So I take my bike there, and I find out that the guy that owns the place is just a piece of garbage, man. This yeah. is bad. Right. So I go and I buy my parts from Cycle Parts West. This is back in the 80s. Yeah. And I bring it over to get the, to get the work done over. It was like, it was horrible. And then one day they tell me the place was sold. I said, oh, I'm going to meet the new people. Good, I'm going to go down there. I go down, it's the same old guy. I said, what's going on here? <laughs> and he told me, it's a long story yeah, I'm not yeah. going to get into. Yeah. Buy the book. You know? Buy the book. <laughs> Buy the book. <laughs> and then how, did, how, then, then how did you take over? What do you mean? It wasn't easy, buddy. There was, it was. What do you mean? I, I, it, it, it was, it's a long story. But, you know, I, I walk in there. I, I'd been a customer. I knew the guy. There were five employees. Yeah. There was John Ray, Mike Hager. There was a sales guy. There was a parts guy. There was another guy. That was it. Yeah. And it, it was horrible. And they said, Mike, buy this place. And and what? And I get out of here. I'm not buying this place. This is this guy's a mess. John Ray calls me one day. He says, Hey, 
He says, I want to have lunch. So him and Mike Hager, the two mechanics. Right. Where they sit down, they come out, we have lunch. They sit, and he has a piece of paper in his pocket. He says, look, if you can get the bikes to show up, you get the parts ordered. And they get the parts here at the same time the bike's here. And get this and that. We can make a lot of money in this place. And I'm going, this is, you know, you're crazy, man. I said I come to I come to California, so, which is a long story in and of itself. Of course, and um, I'm going to end up buying a, a motorcycle dealership, let alone San Diego Harley. That's crazy, right? So I I put the whole thing together and ended up doing it, which was nuts. Nuts. Didn't even the guy didn't even have a contract with Harley. He lost his dealership. He lost his contract. Didn't have anything. It was a mess. Wow. So I buy the place. Trust me, it was a, it was a, it was a good deal. Yeah. Because I bought the place. There were certain contingencies. I mean, I wasn't stupid totally. Right. Yeah. Well, I was a little stupid. Yeah, but of course. But not, not that stupid. Yeah. So there were some contingencies, and and Harley Corporate, who I had met with, and and all that, and there were some people at Harley who looked at me when I, we rode back. I, I ride every place, and. They, they, some one guy says to me, "You will never be a Harley dealer." <laughs> oh, seriously? Oh, man. really? Oh, yeah. It was like I mean, we went through some stuff. Th- that was from Harley Corporate. It was at corporate, but they, you know, with the, I passed the test. They interviewed, did the whole thing, come back, and I'm still trying to wrestle with this guy to get the dealership, and we have a contract and agreement, and he's like, "It was, it was hard, man." Yeah, and I'll then. Bet. And then one day I went in there with my, you know, and then my lawyer. It was August third, August third, nineteen ninety three. It was a Tuesday. He was closed Sundays and Mondays, as most deals were on 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 the West Coast. It's crazy, yeah. Because Sundays and Mondays, well, I'm I'm riding. Yeah. I remember riding up to L.A. one one day for a meeting on a Monday, and I go to L.A. I'm riding. I start riding back. My bike breaks down. This is like in you know eighty eight eighty nine. Yeah, my bike. I was on the four hundred five or whatever the big freeway was at yeah. that time. Yeah, four hundred five, the five. I'm not, I don't remember one hundred one. I don't remember. Bike breaks down. Traffic. Everyone on the side of the road. I keep, there's no dealers open. They're all closed. Yeah, I mean. So anyway, that was California. I said this is crazy, man. So. We we ended up making the deal that day. Exactly, I looked up at the clock because it took me all that day. It was a Tuesday. He's closed Sunday and Monday, so you know we're negotiating for weeks and months and everything. And we come up to that time, and I said, "Look, if we don't get this signed by close of business today, it's never going to get signed, and you're out of you're done. Yeah, you can't run this, but whatever it took." And I look up, and he he signed the guy you know, Doc. He signs it like. And walks out all angry. I look up, it's 5.55. Exactly. Yeah. And I go, wow, we just did it, right? Sign the papers. The lawyer looks at me and goes, okay, Mike, you got it now. <laughs> that's it. I go, that's so cool. And then- um, Wow. Yeah, went over to the hog meeting, the Harley Owners Group, yep. run by Gilbert Ochoa at the time. By the way, another name that was instrumental- and me being able to do it. Because I had to meet with the people. Yeah. The riders, the customers. And, and you know, they're all like telling me the same thing John Ray's telling me from the other side. Yeah, we want someone here that cares. We want someone. So, you know, for me it was a dream come true, man. Wow. Not that I ever owned a motorcycle shop before, but I had a little motorcycle business. I did, you know, I've been, you know, riding Harley since the 60s. Wow. So I had, a, you know, a little thing. I bought and sold them. 
And and so just in order to write it off, I had a little motorcycle company, like a little aftermarket thing. But I didn't think I'm come to California. You know, a couple of years later, I'm going to own San Diego Harley Davidson. But I did, and then and all the things that I wanted to do. And I was a customer. You know, I want it to be open when I'm there. I want it to have parts. I want it to have everything I need. You know, I want to be open seven days. Boom, we did it. So, yeah. So so you basically came at it from a customer standpoint, customer yeah, view. Yeah, I'm, 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 I love the brand. You know, I, I bought my first Harley in 1967. I was riding. Triumphs and 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 uh, had a BSA Lightning Hornet was the fastest bike in the South. I was stationed in South Carolina in uh, something, right? Outside. Yeah. So now 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 go back. So go back to the East here, because that, that's where obviously you're you were born and raised in New York, right? Yep. Brooklyn, yep. New okay. York. Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn. Okay. So yeah. tell tell me a little bit about that. Let's go back a little bit. Where how, where did Mike come from? How were your parents? Were they together? Good, good. It, it, no, no, no. The world sucked. Okay? The world sucked. <laughs> what does that mean? It, it means the world sucked. You know, it's as bad as it gets. <laughs> worse than now? Worse, worse than now? Yeah. Now is heaven. Now is perfect. Now what, is... are you kidding me? All we got to do is kill all the lawyers in this country and be the best place in the world. You know, that's the only problem we have. That's By the true. way, I listen. I, li- I listen to your show to find yeah. out, you know, because yeah. you know we met outside under weird circumstances, right? right? Yeah. You asked me if I ever went to got to got to next door to the rock place, yeah, the, the, the gem place, which is kind of a weird story in and of yeah. itself. Yeah, but uh, I did, and um, I, and I usually tell the and and all right. So let's let's see. Look at this, guys. He's already firing away here. I usually tell how I met somebody. You and I crossed paths a couple times over the last 20 years since I've been in business, but and he didn't remember me. But it, so the other on Christmas Day, right this year, Christmas Day, yeah, I'm, Christmas I'm here. Day. I'm here at the shop. I got a couple appointments, and I see these guys standing out front of the store, right? And I go out there, and they were trying to get into the gem place because next door is a gem place. By the way, Real Deal Sleep, ladies and gentlemen, is the sponsor of the show. So come buy a mattress, refer somebody. If you're watching the show, can't thank you enough. Mike, hey, hey, Mike, hey. Mike jumped in on my wait, 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 on my wait, sponsor. Wait, wait. I got to yeah, say yeah. this. I got to say this. Yeah, yeah. This place is amazing. Thank this you. place is amazing. I, I look in here. I'm outside with Mike, my friend Mike Schwellian. Yeah, and, and I I, I, went, I skipped over that name real quick because he's a Russian, oh, and he? I can't I can't ever okay. pronounce his name right. But he's a wonderful guy. He's a great <laughs> friend, and he says to me, "We're sitting over there. It's my anniversary. It's Christmas." Day. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, and and I said, "I got it. I got to get my wife. I got Petrina. I got to get her a gift. We promised no gifts." Yeah. I don't know what to do. I'm uncomfortable not getting a gift. He says, hey, let's go to Shlomo's. Shlomo. <laughs> Shlomo's place. The rock place. So we came in. That's when we met you. And That's he right. was closed. And then you came outside and said, that guy's, that guy's, he's been there 15 years. He's never closed. Yeah, never. And so anyway, you called. Thank you very much. Yeah. I found out and all that I recognized stuff. you. I said, are you New York, Mike? You said, yeah. yeah. How'd you know that? Yeah. And, uh, you know, because I, re- I remembered you distinctly, but it's been a while since I've seen you, at least 10 years. Then that other guy pulled up on the Harley. That's right. <laughs> by. He said, hey, New York Mike. Yeah, New York was, Mike. It was kind of funny. Meanwhile, you open the door and I look inside and I go, whoa, that place is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And I, I got to tell you, uh, not to do a commercial for your shop, yeah. but it's it's the most, like, it's beautiful. It's neat. It's clean as yeah. a whistle. Oh, thank you. I mean, I can't believe it. Yeah. And my wife. Who's so, you know, she's that way. Yeah. You know, and she would love this place. Love it. Yeah, well, let's Me? bring her down. 
I'm very uncomfortable. You're com- it's too clean? <laughs> it's too neat. Too clean. <laughs> we'll get the wife in here. You do the podcast. We'll bring in the wife to shop. <laughs> and there you go. Okay. But it is. I mean, it really is a Thank very you. impressive place. Thank there you go. Thank yeah, you. There's there's nice. our sponsorship there's right your there. sponsorship. Real deal sleep. Paying All the right. bills, ladies yeah, and give gentlemen. Me that, give me that check. What keep keep watching. Yeah, we'll, we'll check's in the mail. Check's in the mail, Mike. <laughs> All right, so let's get back to that was very good. Let's go back to East Coast. Talk to East me. Coast. Talk to me about the up. Give me something, bro. What because, do you want? What do you want? I mean, what do you I'm, want? Because my my, my dad go. was at. Every, listen, World War Two came along and everybody joined, right? I, so, what, what do you mean, right? We don't know. There's the kid. The you don't kids, know this. The kids listening to this don't know any of they this. They don't know any. Nothing, of this. bro. World War Two comes along they in know, 1941. They know what the TikTok Japanese is. bomb Pearl Harbor. Boom. You know, totally like out of the blue, except yeah. everybody knew it was coming. They did, huh? Of course they did. Yeah. You don't think uh, the famous, uh, what's his name? Um, who don't, was the don't, president? Don't test, me, don't test me on, on <laughs> history, bro. <laughs> Franklin. I'm just Eleanor a podcast Roosevelt. host. I don't Roosevelt knew it was coming. Everybody knew it was coming. <laughs> they were totally unprepared. Right. And they, they, Come on. There was no excuse for it. Is there anything different today? No. Does the world really change? We are so like unprepared. We see China. We see what's going on. We yeah. see the war over there. We see what Russia's doing. We see what everybody's doing. We know what's happening. Yeah. But oh no! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Don't, don't put that over there. Yeah. We gotta worry about the climate. Yeah, the climate. <laughs> the climate is. It's. <laughs> nothing. You know, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. There's. You know. There's eight billion. That's one thing that's changed. There's eight billion people on the planet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, there's two and a half billion people in India, two billion people in China, China. a billion and a half people in Africa. That's over six billion of the eight billion, right? They don't give a rat's ass about the climate. They don't. <laughs> they don't. No. And here we are with, you know, like yeah. our little corner of the world, and we're going to sacrifice everything we have. Because the climate's got to be saved. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so that's, a, that's our little piece. Oh, yeah. India, China, everybody in Africa, they don't, they're not doing the thing. Yeah. South they America, yeah. you think Bolivia, you think, you know. You think they're worried about they, the climate? They're worried about the climate. Are you stupid? Yeah. The climate. Hey, give me some food. I want something to eat tonight. Right. <laughs> right. You- <laughs> and, and here we are, America. It's like a spoiled child, man. Yeah. It's like, we got to save the climate. God is angry. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Right. Listen. Yeah. All right. So hold on so, a second. What, what go, go, back, go back to the, <laughs> go back to the 60s here. <laughs> back so, to the 60s. Yeah, back to the, everybody. Back to jo- the future. I'd yeah. rather go back to the future. Yeah, I would too, believe me. Uh, <laughs> all right. So back to this. How, how was the, give me a childhood thing. Can you give me, give me a childhood stuff? How were the parents? How was the family, brothers and sisters? Good, good household. It was a, no, after World War II, these guys struck. I'll tell you something good about it. I like to be part. I like the good parts, you know? I live the bad parts. Yeah, I know. The bad but parts hurt. I don't want to relive the hurt, you know? All right, all right, all right. You know, You're going to give it, me some hurt, though. So go ahead. What do you got it, for me? It, 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 it's, look, World War II comes along. My dad, who's- Which was what year? 16, give me the year. 17 years of World War II? Yeah. For us? Yeah. 41 to 45. Okay, 41, 45. <laughs> I'm educating the listeners. They don't know, bro. <laughs> they know. They, they know. don't they're know. They're not that bad. They All they're studying really? today is TikTok and Instagram. That's all they're studying in school. Oh, now. no. I think they're studying a lot more than that diversity. That's true. Yeah, they're that's learning true. about diversity. Critical race theory. That's very important. Very yeah, important. Yeah, critical, yeah. critical what? Theory? Critical that's race theory. A, how fast can you go? <laughs> critical race theory. Don Gauntlet's is still how, alive how, at 91 years old, right? Yeah. How fast can you go? <laughs> it doesn't have anything go? to do with 
with it a Harley. race theory over at Pomono Speedway. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not critical race. Gentlemen, any- start your engines. <laughs> that's my critical race theory. Yeah, exactly. Buddy. Forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> but bing. All right. So so it's World War Two. World War Two. Guys, I mean, my, my dad's seventeen years old. He's on the Lower East Side. You know, Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. Boom! They join. They join up. They yeah. go to the war. They go to the war and they win the war. Right. Yeah. They come home. They got nothing. Nothing but a couple of kids, because every time it comes home on leave, you know, boom, boom, boom. And then yeah. you go back. Yeah, knock it be out. your last day on earth. You know, you want to live yeah. every day, by the way. Like it's your last day. Yeah. You want to mess up, <laughs> live that way. <laughs> so, hey, comes home, he's got a couple of kids, 17 years old when he went in. Now he's 20 years old. He's got, you know, a wife and kids. And blah, blah, blah. Who figured this one out? Right. And But he wasn't alone. So where they lived, where we lived, was in... They took the barracks that the, the enlisted guys lived in and converted them to living quarters. So we lived in Manhattan Beach in Brooklyn in the the barracks. They converted it, and that's where I was where I grew up till I was in the fourth grade. Then they tore that down to bring it back to a beach. It was a it was a resort beach before the war. Yeah, everybody went to Manhattan. Manhattan Beach, Brighton Beach, Coney Island, right? Coney Waters. Island. And then, boom, as soon as the, you know, 1941, they bombed Pearl Harbor. Oh, we got to you know, make it into a base, right? We make it into the maritime base. And then, you know, the war's over. Nobody's prepared for these wars. Yeah. Who are these people that we elect to these offices that they don't, hey, uh, there's, a, there's a shark in the water. Forget about that. I got to take care of this over here. What? You don't say, there's a war coming. Yeah. No. no. Okay, when it gets here, we'll cross that bridge. Then we'll worry we'll about it. We'll burn that bridge when it gets here. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that's, that's, that's who we elect all the time. Woodrow Wilson, FDR. What, are you kidding me? They're yeah. all the same. Yeah. I, I, I never got it, but I finally did. I'll figure it out, and I'll tell you about tell it. Tell me about it. I will, in a minute. Okay. Right now, I'm talking about my kid, you yeah. know, when I was yes, a kid. Yes, give me the, the so, kid So, you thing. know, here we are, and we, we, we moved to the project. But to, here's what's interesting, and I talk about this a lot yeah. on my podcast. I talk about the fact Rolling that- Rolling with Mike. What's that? Rolling, Rolling with, with New York Mike. Rolling with New York, New York Mike, York ladies Mike. and gentlemen. And, and, and one of the things I talk about is that when I was a little baby, two, three years old, four years old, my dad, you know, his shipmates and all those guys that they served with, some of the, you know, in different organizations, because almost 15% of the country served. At yeah. the, that's the most ever. At that time. At that time, 15%. Now, you know, it's 0.049%, less than one half of 1%. Wow. Currently serve in the military. Wow. So during the height of Vietnam, I think it was like 2 or 3%. So anyway. Wow. Those guys had nothing, okay? My Uncle Jock, I remember these guys sitting around because they gave them the barracks place, but there were no walls. There were no rooms. <laughs> so yeah. so the guys would come in and build walls and rooms. My, my, my father's shipmate, Al Vasta, great guy, man. Looked like a wrestler, big dude. And, and long hair back in those days. And they would talk. I'm a little three, four-year-old baby. You know what they talked about? They saved the world. Those guys saved the freaking world. Yeah. They didn't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out. But you know what? They had they had that spirit. They had that feeling of success. Yeah. They saved the whole freaking world. And they did. Yeah. And they knew they could. if they could do that, they could do anything. Wow. There wasn't a moment when those guys... 
doubted themselves. That themselves, the country that they fought for, the country they believed in with their parents came from all over the world. You know, my, my grandparents all came here from Russia. They were all refugees. They all came after the, after the revolution. You know, and everybody else's grandparents came from... Some, then all the, the people that came after the Holocaust that came here, you know, after the, after the Second World War. And, yep. and, and during the war. And then joined the army and fought and joined in the battle. These were people that... They, they celebrated America. Right. This great country. And it was a great country. It was always a great country. And, you know, even good people do bad things. Yeah. Right? Yep. You know that. Oh, yeah. And I know that. Right? Right. I'm still a good guy. Yeah. And no matter what I do. Yes. It doesn't matter. That's right. Every once in a while. Every right? once in a while. Hey. Hey. <laughs> hey what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, but you could, if you want to get a microscope and go through the history of all the things that we did wrong, you're going to find them. Yeah. They're there. <laughs> that's, that's, that's who we are. But if you want to look at overall... What percentage was wrong? What percentage was right? You know, if you get 51 versus 49, you're a winner. That's right. We got a lot more than 51, baby. Oh, yeah. We got way more than 51. People come in from all over the world. They're still coming from all over the world. This is the greatest place. But that was, my childhood was learning that no matter how bad things were, believe me, when you listen to your dad and his friends and their stories, it's tough, man. Being on a ship that gets bombed and who's, you know, who, whatever, and all the bad things. that It's not a panacea of wonderfulness. But they saved the world. And they had that confidence in themselves and in America. And, and I got that. And I want, I want to hold on to that. Yeah. I never want to lose being in that room with these winners, you yeah. know? Getting that feeling. You can win... You can win the baseball game, a football thing. You can win the World Series. You can. Win. It's nothing like saving the world. Yeah, I'd and, say. And and being in that room, being part of that, having that has never left me. Wow. So for all the things I ever got as a kid, the love and appreciation of this country, and and the feeling of optimism, knowing what we can do. If we did that, yeah. with these seventeen-year-old kids that joined up. And went in and, and, and you know without if we did that we could do anything yeah and we and we can and we will by the way yes I don't care I, I you know I, like I started to say when you know you told me to come on so I met you yeah. outside yeah. and you invited oh come on my podcast okay blah 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 all right I'll do it so then I said something to my wife she said what do you do I said oh, I, I just want to let you know I got to be down at you know San Diego Claremont Mesa 8 o'clock in the morning what are you doing 8 o'clock in the morning <laughs> I'm doing a podcast you're doing a podcast with who uh, this guy JD man I mean <laughs> what come on are you serious Do you, what about him do you know anything about him no he's a kind of cool dude man you know uh, do you know anything about him <laughs> come on you go she's, have you listened to his podcast no why am I going to listen <laughs> Well, of course. Yeah, yeah. Petrina's always right, right? Yeah, of you know, course. Of course. The wise are always right. I'm not stupid. I married well. Yeah. Trust me. They always <laughs> so, know. They always know. I always know I need an anchor. I, yeah. need, I needed my rock. Yes. That's the reason I came here to get the rock for my Yeah, my there you go. See? My rock. See? That's, you should tell her it was her that led you to me. Exactly. No, exactly. I, I told her. I yes. said, I got the rock. Yeah, that stupid rock. How much you pay for that tough rock? Oh, I'm God. Kidding. She liked it. It was <laughs> yeah. it was pretty. It was uh, really nice. It's that's... a long story. We'll we'll tell you that. But 
anyway, um, so I'm listening to your podcast, and you had some lawyer sitting here. I can't believe I'm sitting Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. That some lawyer was sitting in. Okay. But that's a cool lawyer. That's a cool lawyer? Yeah, you listen to him. Tell me I'm an idiot because I vote for Republicans. I don't think there's such a thing as look. I have some lawyers who are friends who are nice guys. I got that, but that's when they're home on the weekends. Yeah, when they're working during the week, it's like the mafia. (laughs) Forget about it. It's an it's a it's an industry of extortion. That's it. First they chase the ambulance, (laughs) then they blackmail the doctor. Yeah, I mean, come on. It's, it's, he's then, the anomaly, though. He's not an anomaly. He's the They're anomaly. all the same. Why? Because he lost 50 pounds? No. What's he, a hero? No, no, no. Listen, man, you don't tell me I'm stupid because I vote Republican. <laughs> and you don't tell me that this country is falling apart. It's not. It's exactly where it's supposed to be. It's, it's exactly fine. where it's supposed to be. It's fine. It's going fine. Do you not like it? it? It's There's going fine. You don't like. You, you know, growing up in the in the 50s and the 60s, <laughs> you want to talk about things you don't like? Yes. Come on, man. Living in the projects? Because they moved us from there to the projects? You'd think that was nice? Is that what they did from the barracks? It was, but it's, it's America. It was still free. Maybe I was poor. Maybe we didn't have anything. Maybe I had to go and, you know, walk into the rich section and take, take you know, milk. Milk, yeah. milk bottles out of someone else's milk in order to get milk. Yeah, because you're milk delivered back <laughs> you then, got, right? Hey, you know, you got to, you know, you got to eat. You got to do what you got to do. It's not easy. It never was easy. Yeah. Not for anybody. Right. Don't separate me from any other American. Black, white, purple, green, blue, Greek, Polish. Come on, Italian, Russian. Doesn't mean we're American now. Yeah. It's a melting pot. That's right. You just haven't figured it out. These people went from a melting pot to whatever they are now. Everybody, wait a minute, step out of the pot. Now we're going to be diversified. You're the Pollock, you're the Italian, you're the black guy, you're the, the brown guy. What's a brown guy, by the way? I don't know. What's a white guy? You white, I'm white. No, I'm not white. I'm Caucasian, whatever that means. Yeah. I'm American. Don't define me any other way. Yeah, so why are we segregating everybody? What's because that Because there's such things as the Democrat Party in this country. <laughs> so you tell your lawyer friend that there is a difference. He's not Democratic, by the way. Yes, he is. No, he's not. He said he doesn't care. About either. Well, then that makes you a left-wing Democrat. <laughs> Those are the only people that don't care. He's not if a you Democrat. Care, if you care, if you want to fight for America, you pick a path. Pick a path. Look, I always said on my radio show, you know, I had talk radio show for yes. a long time. Yeah. There's two parties in America. One's evil and one's stupid. What? <laughs> what's evil? It's the way it is. Yeah, yeah. It's the way. Go back in time. Go look at Will Woodrow Wilson and what he did. FDR, what do you think that was? Oh, yeah, he said he didn't do nothing. He prolonged, you know, the depression. And but the only prolonged thing got us out, prolonged it. And the only reason we got out of it was World War II. Boom! That was it. That saved the country from this depression because FDR was like, a, and then and then you got you know you had Truman in there. And thank God he you know came along at the right time. Right. But I mean, then I, I you look back, you look back, and I look back at my ancestors that came here from Russia. My grandfather came here on the boat. Took him like what thirty days to get here. Gets off at Ellis Island. Gets abused. Gets his name changed. Goes to the whole thing. Spends a month, two months in New York City. Goes back to Russia. Gets his wife and three kids. Comes back. Goes back through Ellis Island. I mean, that was that was a torture chamber. Got the name changed again. Come on. You know what they're looking at us now? Yeah. 
<laughs> laughing. <laughs> going, look what the look what the kids don't. They're complaining about America. Yeah. They're living in a mattress shop. Look at this mattress <laughs> shop. Look at these. We never had that. We slept, we slept they're living on, in a mattress shop. We slept shop. on bags of straw. We were lucky to have it. Who had these mattresses? We had box springs. Box <laughs> box springs. <laughs> Who had this? Zero this, gravity. What is that? And all they're doing is complaining. Yeah. Oh, we don't like the president. Oh, yeah. How would you like to have our president? <laughs> Come on. Look. Yeah. You can't complain. Yeah. Stop complaining. Start doing something. And pick a path. The reason is to pick a path. Yeah. You want to go to the Republican Party? Fine. That's where I'm at. Why? You think because I like Republicans? No. It's because I despise Democrats. <laughs> every, it's very every, simple. Every policy, every left-wing policy, everything they did. And the worst president this country ever had? You think it's Biden? Biden's pretty bad, by the way. I mean, he's pretty bad. It's, he is a corrupt oh God, P.O.S. So corrupt. Oh, it's bad. But John Kennedy? John Kennedy? Yeah. He got the mafia put him in office. They did. You're right. They fixed Illinois' election. They fixed West Virginia's election. They even the left wing historians agree with that. But oh, because it's Kennedy, it's okay. Forget about it. It's not okay. All right. It's bad. Yeah. It's straight bad. up. It's straight up. You don't want to start with that. It's like you got to go back to the roots. So I go back to my father and his friends winning World War, winning World War Two. And that gives me the energy and the hope and the belief and the vision in who this country is and wow. where we're going. So I pick a path. Do I think that the Republican? Listen, I ran for office three times. I remember. I that. put my money where my mouth is. Yeah. <laughs> I also got myself slapped down by the Republican yeah. Party. I mean, that's the way it is. But I'm not complaining about. It. I'm just letting you know. Yeah. It's not an easy route when you see these guys who are the politicians and who do run. You know. You gotta appreciate the fact that someone put it out there. Unless it's a lawyer, then they're just trying to make rain for their business. Unless it's a lawyer. <laughs> Unless it's a lawyer. Go, oh, come on. So Who the, wants to support the extortion industry? It's worse than the mafia. At least the mafia. You knew they were bad guys. They looked like bad guys. Yeah. They talked like bad guys. Yeah. They acted like bad. guys. They told guys. you they were bad guys. They, yeah, they let you know. We're extorting you. You don't pay me four hundred yeah. bucks every freaking week. You're not gonna have your doors open. The lawyers, they come in. Oh, very nice. Oh, we have a contract for you. Oh, please sign these papers and everything will be fine. <laughs> We're nice people. We, I got an education. I went to Harvard. I went to here. I went to, oh, yeah, very good. Very nice. And here's how much you got to pay me. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting half. Because I'm saving the world. I'm saving the poor people. You know, every time it's an accident, I got to see the ambulance. Boom! Chase that ambulance! Let's get it! Catch up with that guy! We got to get there first! Hey, sign the paper right here. We'll save your life. That's yeah. it. Come on, will you? <laughs> Something tells me along your your business career, you dealt with a lot of uh, lawsuits and attorneys. Something's just telling me. Really? Yeah. You think? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm just picking up on this uh, theme here. The lawyers are uh, the scourge. We got to have tort reform in this country. No joke. Tort reform. Got to have it. Okay. I mean, it's not on the agenda. Yeah. First, we have investigations into the FBI, <laughs> all the rest of the stuff that's going on in this country. But and we have. To, but that's ongoing. You're always going to have that. You know. At least you can have that. Right. Go to go to the Soviet Union. You know, with Stalin and. Khrushchev, Stalin, whoever you want to pick out, you couldn't have that. We can. 
We got the freedom to chase these bastards. We got the freedom, but if we want to use it. You know, one of the things about America that, that shocks me, I hear these people talk about term limits all the time. You got term limits. It's called an election. But you can't be too lazy to vote. Get out there if you care so much. Get out there. Yeah. You, you, the last thing you want to have is a bureaucrat running the office of whoever you want to you get. Okay, you're, you're out. I'm out? Yeah. I, I just got bills. on. Get, get out of here. And the, the guy that's been running the place, the gatekeeper, he or she, now that, you know, oh, the next guy comes in, that's that gatekeeper. Yeah. That's who's going to run the country? An unelected bureaucrat. Come on. You don't want that? Oh, yeah, you do because you're too lazy. You're too lazy to get out there and work and vote and walk and pound the pavement, knock on doors and do what you got to do. If you really care, that's what you would do. Why not? It's freedom and it's worth it. And now, but but is the voting system, is? can we trust this now? You can never trust it. Never- Why would you trust anything? <laughs> trust but verify. You know, I mean, come on. One of the, one of the things Reagan did that was, you think Reagan was a perfect, you know, all the Republicans, well, we love Reagan. We love, I think Reagan was great in many yeah. ways. But don't forget 241 dead Marines in Lebanon. I, where's, where's our vengeance for that? What did we do about that? I, I still want to get my moment for that, okay? Yeah, what was that? Describe that. Rob Stenham, a Navy diver who was thrown off a, a TWA plane where they with a where they they hijacked. Yep. Rod Stenham, are we getting even for him? Okay. I remember that. I mean, you, you got to remember these things in America. You got to remember. And and then by the way, when when we did the tax law change in '86, the TEFRA change. Okay. He grandfathered. He did not grandfather in all the deals that were made because we were we had to, we had to evade the tax when taxes were like what 75% 72% 90% that's what it was in the in the 60s that's how bad that's how it was it had to end well reagan ended it good but tip o'neill was the speaker of the house and he was the democrat and he wouldn't let them he wouldn't let them grandfather in all those old deals so we had the savings and loan crisis you got to blame Reagan for that. It wasn't his fault if you say Tip O'Neill exercised his power. But that's what happened. Yeah. So you still could blame the president. It's the way it is. Yeah. So, you know, nothing's perfection. So what about John Kennedy? Give me give me something on him. What You, you said that... Uh, John Kennedy, you don't want to get me started on that. That <laughs> guy was a scumbag. Really? Uh, come on, will you? Everything from, you know, turning the White House into a whorehouse. What is to, that? What do you, what do you, what do you come mean? Come on, he had hot and, run, hot and cold running broads all the time. All the time. <laughs> I mean, play, and I'm not talking about the girlfriend here or there. I'm talking about 10, 12, 15. God bless him. Can't God bless <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was Hugh Hefner's idol, and this is in the White House. In the White House, he had a whole thing going. In the White, in the basically White House. a brothel. He turned it into a brothel. It was disrespect. The Bay of Pigs, Cuba, getting himself assassinated. Getting himself. Come on, what did he do to be assassinated? That was not an accident. No. Okay? And it was there's no such thing as coincidence. As guys like you would understand Correct. that, you yeah, know exactly. that. Oh yeah. So. You know what happened? It's it's a devastating thing for this country that that happened, but it happened. What did he do for that? Wow. Yeah. I mean, this was a bad guy. You don't want to know any more than that. You don't need. I don't to. want to. Worry. And everybody out there that thinks he's the same, then you're not going to change their minds. No. 
So I, I, I'm just look. If I can, if I can do one thing by my podcast being on your podcast, just make Americans understand this is a precious country. Precious. This is a country founded on the belief in God, in a Creator. The first time ever. Okay, and. Why have hope for the country? Why do I believe in the country? Hey, I believe in God. Yep. What, you think God's going to give up on something he established? You, know, you, you think God's going to say, you know, here we are, a country, the, 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 the Declaration of Independence. Okay, we are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, and among those rights, and that was like, God looking down and saying, finally, yeah. <laughs> finally, somebody gets it. <laughs> That's great. So now we have this country. And just like every other country, you know, we go, but we, we kept to most of our, and we never were comfortable with slavery. I'm not forgiving it, and I'm not saying it was a, it was a you know, anything but a horrible thing. But from the very beginning, it started to erode. From, you know, 1776 to 83 to, you know, when George Washington was president, 60 years later, boom, we have a civil war. Almost 700,000 Americans died. Yep. North and South, we were all Americans. And after that was over, we we're supposed to have reconciliation. So we're all Americans again. That The South wasn't an enemy. And maybe it was during that period of time. We win the war, we get what we want. Boom, let's get together. Let's be one country. But no, we're not one country. Nope. We were for a while. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we got to tear down the statues. Why, is that going to change history? What, are you stupid? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, you know, but, but God looks at this country and says, okay, get, get back on track, guys. It's gonna, and that's why I got faith in America. Because God's not going to, God doesn't make mistakes. No, you're right. He, he doesn't make mistakes. He or she or whatever, our creator doesn't make mistakes. And so we're going to be fine. But we're going to have to go through trials and tribulations. No doubt about What's it. What's wrong with that? You went through in your life, right? Oh, yeah. Insane. Everybody. Insane amount of trials and tribulations. We all go through it. And some of us worse than others. You know, I had cancer six years ago. Did you really? Yeah. Went through it, got through it. Why? Because America has one of the most amazing, amazing medical systems on the planet. Thank God we're not Canada or England or Europe with this, you know, public, whatever they have, you know, health yeah. care stuff. You know, we, you, got, you got this amazing system. So how did you get through it? My did wife. You, your wife? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. What is, it, it expand on that. You know, you need a support system. You need somebody that's there for you. Me, you know, I get cancer. Well, that's it. She goes, no, we got to find, find the best chemo. What? What? Okay. I make a few phone calls to friends. They go, oh, you use Ajax, the foaming cleanser. You look, I don't remember right. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> H. She, she says, no, we got we to gotta find out where the, where the right place is around the country, Mayo Clinic, this one, that one. So we fly to Boston. We go to the, whatever, you know, whatever that Massachusetts Institute of, you know, yeah. crazy doctors from all over the world. Yep. And and so we did that, and we come back, and then we go through it. So, you know, she, I, I would not have paid as much. I wouldn't have been as meticulous as she is about everything. Right. But, you know, about this, she she had to be. And then, you know, then you go through the chemo, you go through the surgery. She found 
believe me, the surgeon, amazing. And I, you know, we, we interviewed a few of them. And yeah. So the, the, we, it was just everything was right. And then I come home from chemo one day. And you, you know, when you get after you get the chemo, you, you're kind of like, bah. You know, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a moment there that you don't want. So I'm sitting there. She comes home. And you know she 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 works. She's a model agent, so you know she comes home. She looks at me. She goes, "What's wrong?" I said, "I'm I'm okay. I just I, I had the chemo today." She goes, "No no no, there's something else wrong." So she she, she goes, "Well, I'm taking you to the emergency." Room. No, you're not. <laughs> you leave me the hell alone. Stop it already. I'm fine. I'm fine. I just you know it's the chemo. It's it. She goes, "No no no, you are going to the emergency, and I'm taking you, and you." <laughs> You don't mess with my wife. No, man. No. no, no. So she dragged me down there, and P.S. I had a staph infection, which was, ah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That that almost killed me. That yes. was horrible. Because if you didn't get that treated right away. Yeah, if you don't get, and by the way, and you know, listen, I mean, we, we are blessed with an amazing, you know, medical world that we live in. It, it, we really are. But- the, uh, they treated me, you know, perfect. I, I got no complaints about it. But when I had staff, you would, I mean, we had the CDC people come yes. down. Yeah, yeah. They get all like, whoa, it's it's a whole new thing. I said, wait, you didn't treat the cancer like this. Right. And they did. And 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 then I had the, um, you had to be, you know, you got the fusion thing, whatever it's called. Yep. Every day you have to, you know, report in in the morning. They changed the whole thing and go through the whole thing. I wouldn't have done that if it was a, you know, Petrina dragged me down there, kicking and screaming. I think I was in the hospital for a week. Yeah, because uh, just for that, they wouldn't let me out till the CDC approved. Seriously, right? They really. Oh know, yeah, I, I worked in the hospital for seven years. Did and, you? and when somebody had a staph infection, bro, you didn't go near that room. Right. You, you had to cover up like you were in a hazmat suit. Yeah. It was serious business. Yeah. Yeah, because it's serious. Because that's because that yeah. can spread and wow. So I, yeah, I had so, no idea. Yeah, it was. Um, and I, I'm kind of, I'm a fatalist about most stuff like that. Yeah. You know, what's going to be is going to be, you know. All right, so go go back because you, you had said you served in Vietnam. Yeah. Is that true? Of course it's true. Of course it's true. All right, so talk to me about that. Do you remember, like, what happened? You were in high school. Did you get out of high school? What, how did that happen? It had nothing to do with high school. I know, but out of high school? <laughs> did you come out of high school? I'm going back to high school. <laughs> no, I quit high school. You did? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I yeah. I so what? Give me some school yeah, stuff. A, Were you terrible lesson. in school? Were you just a, you know, a nightmare? We could, for... here, we could be here for a couple of days. That's fine. Really keep on going back like this. Come on. But uh, no, I, I, um, <laughs> I, I had to work. You know, we we couldn't survive. You know, we didn't have the at, at the end of the month. We never had enough money to get through it. Yeah, it's just the way it is. My dad was a hardworking guy. He worked three jobs. He drove a cab. Yeah, I remember he had a floral delivery truck he worked on with a sliding door. He used to love going in there. When he drove the cab, sometimes he'd take me with him. I'd sit on the front seat. There was a, mail, a, a milk box for the for the passenger seat, and he'd, he'd take me with him. That was, you know. And then he worked in a luncheonette as well. And he always went to school. Really? And yeah, yeah. I could still see him. So we had a little six-floor apartment. We lived in 6B. Sixth floor apartment in, in, in the uh, Sheepshead Nostrum Projects, overlooking Nostrum Avenue, and uh, two bedrooms, 
So me and my two brothers in one, my parents in the other, one bathroom at the end of the hallway. <laughs> that was pretty much it. A kitchen, living room, which is one thing with a little island in the yeah. middle. And that's it, you know. And then so it it was yeah, my 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 dad worked his ass off. And it's 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 seeing that, you know, not only is it important that people you know, the government's going to tell you, yeah, you have to have a living wage. Yeah, you know, pat you on the head, get you a living wage. From what? From what? Some business is going to pay somebody, what, 25, 30 bucks an hour for what? They're gonna, the government tells you how much you, I don't understand all that. This is a capitalist country. This is, a, you know, a, a fr- freedom. You're free to fail. You're free to succeed. You're always free to try. Right. Give it a shot, man. Do what you got to do. But when you do what my dad did, you instill your children with that sense of, you know, you. I'm proud of my dad yeah. for doing that. And he went to the ABC School of Broadcasting after the war while working all those jobs. And then, because we lived in Brooklyn, he couldn't get a New York City you know, you're not going to be a, a broadcaster or a disc jockey in New York City. Well, you don't know that when you're 24, 25 years old and you got a wife and three kids. And it's a madhouse. It was tough growing up. Yeah. Man, it was not easy. And the toll it takes. You want to talk about mental health? I'll, you can talk about my mother all, all you want. Right. I mean, that, the toll that it took is tough. Oh, you, wait a minute. Hey, government, come here. Fix this, will you? Yeah, no. Fix it. No, they don't fix anything. And so when he got the, the, the opportunity years after, it was in Ohio. Well, how are you going to move a wife and three kids to Ohio when you can't afford to pay the rent right here in Brooklyn in a government-assisted housing project? Oh, and you're going to move to Ohio? I don't think so. So it didn't happen. So you know what he did? Still driving cabs, still working in a luncheonette, still doing whatever else he did. He went back to school. And he got an insurance agent's mm. license. How about that? Yeah. That's the kind of example you set, not just for your kids, but for, that's what America's made out of. That's the American dream. The American dream isn't a balloon that's up there and you know, wow, that's it. No. It's like an opportunity to go to work, go to school, to study, to do what you got to do, to get what you got to get, to make your life what you want it to be. And to set the example for the people around you who you love, who you want to inspire. That's right. Because the highest calling we have is the calling that enables us to inspire others. And, love that. And that's what my dad did for me. And so, you know, it was it was tough. What was your question? <laughs> Vietnam. Vietnam. <laughs> How did you get to Vietnam? So, naturally, I, I, you know, you, you grow up in... We went back to high school. You, so. grow, you, you grow up in that environment. You know, our parents, World War II, Korea. You know, I, I, it was never a doubt in my mind that I was going to be in the military. Okay? Yeah. It was just, I lived in Coney Island. I used to work in Coney Island. worked at Raven Hall. worked at some other place. There's the parachute jump. And, you know, all, all, the, all the guys who were paratroopers would hang around. You know, I'm like, what, 10 years old, 11 years old? And they come around, blouse boots, and they go, 
I always want to be paratroopers. All my friends want to be Marines. You know, that's all that's all we talked about. Yeah. You know, you're it. 10, 11 years old. Who's going to be a Marine? Who's going to be in the wow. Navy? My my cousin, Kenny Jackowitz, UDTO. We used to watch Sea, sea Hunt. Sea Hunt? Yeah, yeah Sea yeah. Hunt. And how the, how the Navy won World War II, the submarines and all this stuff. We used to go to Coney Island swimming all the time. He'd, he'd work on holding his breath underwater. <laughs> I'd work on getting out of the water. Yeah. It's too cold. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he always he wanted to be, you know, that, but that's what we did. That's what we talked about. So there was no question in my mind that as soon as I was able, I was, I was going there, I was going to be a paratrooper. So um, I, I, I went down. I signed up. I was 17, near my father's signature. I, I, I got a smack across the... What are you, nuts? <laughs> You're going to college. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Dad. I uh, didn't tell you, but I never went to high school. So you just didn't go to high school? I just... I, I, I was working all the time. What were you doing? What kind I of work? I was working. I delivered stuff for the local drug store. I delivered stuff for BZB cleaners. Did that for years. Got good money. 75 cents an hour plus tips. Delivered. 75 cents an hour. That was huge. 75 cents an hour. Not only that. That's big money. Every hour. Think about this, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> every, listen, every listen, hour. listen, listen. Because what's San Diego minimum wage? 16 an hour now? What's I don't 16 know. or something? Uh, it's a joke. Or 18? It's, it's crazy. It's... it's, it's it's anti-capitalism. It's 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 killing businesses. It's killing yeah. local restaurants. It's like this is this is what they wanted to do. But but then you look at the people. The people voted for it. They voted again. Yeah. For the same things over and over and over again. They want failure. But maybe they know something. You got to hit mm. bottom before you still go. Right. Let's hurry up. Yeah. Let's hurry. Biden, come on in. We need to get to the bottom. <laughs> you know what? That's a good name for a book. We need to get to the bottom of this. We need to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> bottom, Biden b- bottom Biden. <laughs> we need to get we to do. the bottom we need, Biden. We need to hit bottom. And we need to, we need to uh, listen. I'm glad that the Republicans won. I mean, I'm, thank God, you know, and we're going to have these investigations. We're going to have these other things. But it, it's also puzzling that they didn't win bigger. But it's not so puzzling when you think about it, and I talk about it all the time, the fact that we had 50 years of trying to overturn Roe v. Wade, and then we had the majority in the Supreme Court to vote for that for the last, what, three years, two, three years since Trump and we were totally unprepared. You would think, you would think that people would, okay, we're getting close. What are we going to do when they actually overturn Roe v. Wade? We watched it. We saw the case in Mississippi. We saw what yeah. was going on. We saw, boom, boom, boom. Totally unprepared. Because there's a lot of people out there that don't understand what the word freedom means. They don't get freedom. Because what they've had is this distorted thing for the last what 50 years yeah and and they don't get the how precious that freedom is and so they're unprepared how can you be a a a politician and and be worth anything if you're not prepared for something as obvious as what happened right and they weren't and it cost them a lot it cost the country a lot yeah well of course there's the other side of the country that has a whole different perspective so, you know, my path is on the right side, conservative. That's the Republican Party represents most of my views most of the time. Not all the time, 
you know, there's a lot of times. But you, you can't let the world come to an end because one thing that's you know goes the wrong way, it's going to happen. Right. It's not a problem. But on the other side, the Democrats, they see it all differently. They see the government as the savior. They see living wage, minimum wage. They see XRT or whatever it's called, yep. CRT or whatever. Yep. They see gender fluidity. They see that science. They're the party of science. Isn't that what they said? Yes. 32 genders? How many? What does science tell you? How many genders are there? You know, listen, I feel bad. I, I understand that, you know, if you're black, you know, I get it. Imagine a black guy actually wa- walking. Through what's that fancy place up there in L.A., where all the Hollywood stars live? Oh, uh, Be- uh, Be- Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills must be scary. Imagine that walking through Beverly Hills, man. Somebody might come outside, beat your ass up, man. You take advantage of you, steal your wallet. <laughs> yeah, I don't think yeah. so. No, <laughs> I don't think no. so. Not gonna I, I was I was a kid, bro. I lived for Not a little happen. while in Bedford Stuyvesant. Yeah, that's that's. Like Harlem and Brooklyn, all right. Yeah, and and I was walking down the street in the freaking fifties, and and the, the black guys, the older guys, would look at me. Hey, kid, are you lost? What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> no, I live around the corner. Are you nuts? <laughs> yeah, it was a little. So I I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. By the way, in the military, you asked me about Vietnam. Yeah. First, I want to tell you when I was stationed in Mississippi in nineteen sixty three. It's a long time ago. And I got arrested because I wanted them to serve my black friend in the donut shop. And I ordered them a cup of coffee, made him come in because it was raining outside. Next thing I know, I'm getting arrested and he's gone. So, and then we organized a big thing. We're going to come down because all the guys that were stationed with me from New York and, you know, that some Boston guys and stuff like that. You know what we ended up doing? You won't, you won't recognize this. But we, ended, we looked around. We said, it's just us. And there was about 50 of us. Yeah. We were going to go marching. It was just us. We're the guys we're marching for. With the guys I get arrested for. They weren't around. Well, I can't blame them. 1963. We ended up playing Johnny on the Pony till the military police, the MPs came and broke it up. But that's what we ended up doing. But, you know, we, we, we did all that in spite of the individual. I, I went to Vietnam. Well, I, well, I started to tell you, yeah. you know, I joined because I always wanted to be a paratrooper. So I get down to Whitehall Street. Which is where everybody goes. And did you just not go to high school? Did you just did your parents even know that you didn't go? Um, they kind of knew because I got arrested in <sighs> I don't know the year, and I got I had to go to court, and I got sent up to uh, Youth House, twelve twelve Spofford Avenue. This youth is house. how they knew you didn't go to high school. They knew I didn't go because I was in, I was going to a seven hundred school in <laughs> Youth House in the Bronx. So you know they. What, had, why did you get sent there? Because I was stealing cars. You were stealing cars. Stealing cars, amongst other things. Amongst other things. And look, you, you know, you're growing up. In a, hey, we do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. I didn't just work. You know, I worked and I went home, and of course, every, every whatever money I made went to the house. You know, not voluntarily all the time. Right. But you know, how to how to chip in, how to get. Hey, look, it it was never. Easy. It's not supposed to be easy. You get through it. You try to do the right thing. If my my parents instilled in me a belief in God, belief in 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 goodness, 
you know, like I said, my grandparents, what they came to my appreciation for America, for what, what, what I think freedom really is. And, and so I had all that. And I also had an appreciation that you, you, we, we had it become part of the military in this country because this country wouldn't be here. Not only did we save the world, we saved America. Yep. And was it unjust that we weren't ready for a war that everybody saw coming? You know, what was going on? The we Americans were in China, saving China. Remember Steve Canyon. Remember, you know, General Chenault. I mean, this was going on. Right under we're seeing this stuff. It yeah. wasn't a, it it wasn't like they were hiding the war. Germany invaded Poland, invaded the Netherlands. It was going on. We saw it. Right there. Right there. Just like we're seeing what's going on right now. What's the name of that place? Oh, Ukraine. Yeah. Ukraine, our baby brother country. Baby. <laughs> we're, sending them, we're sending them to college. Yeah. All, all the money. They're coming here to learn how to use the Patriot missiles. Right? I mean. Billions. Billions. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. It, not that it's the money. Not that they're not fighting a surrogate war for us. But if you're going to fight a surrogate war for me, I want to know exactly what you're doing, how you're doing it, how you train your soldiers, what your moral code is. Is there any corruption going on? And for the most part, I want to audit every nickel that's going over there because half of it's coming back to the Democrats 100%. in office. Right? Yeah. We know that. The other half is going into Zelensky's pockets. This is the most corrupt country in the world. Hello, I'll say one word. Burisma. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. So let's go back. Let's go back. I'm, I'm, I, I go down to Whitehall Street. Yeah. And I'm filling out a paper, right? And, a, and the paper says education. So, uh, junior college. Oh. Yeah, associate degree. Oh. Okay. So next thing I know. Guy comes in where I'm getting ready to be sworn in. I'm going to become a U.S. paratrooper. Guy comes in. He says, hey, I'm from the Air Force. I see you have, you know, two years of college. Oh, me? No, no, no. Well, you wrote, hey, here's your application. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so we want, we're, we're putting together air, a commando operation for the Air Force. It's a it's an, an extra year. It's, it's four years, not three years. And, you know, we promise to send you through jump school. You'll be jump qualified, but you're also going to be doing all this special stuff, yeah. commando stuff, right? Ooh, I like that. So I did. I signed up. I learned a very valuable lesson. Signed up, go to basic training, go through the whole thing. Then they send you the keys to learn about radios, your air traffic control. you got to go through the schools. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to be a paratrooper. I want to be a badass, man, blah, blah, blah. But first, you got to go to the schools. Uh-oh. I go to the schools. I'm going, what the? Are you kidding me? I'm sitting in there. <laughs> you think high school class was, was rough? And t no, this was, whoa. Yeah. And I'm like, but you know, I, 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 was, I was a guy that, I'm not a complaining kind of guy, but I'm 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 digging. And I'm talking to the, the 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 teachers. I'm I'm learning shit that I never knew. 
learning shit about radios and resistors and ohm machines and <laughs> how to figure out how to fix this and do that and you know all this stuff. And uh, and after a few months, the teacher comes and goes, "Hey, you, you're gonna get recycled. You're, you're not gonna pass. You're gonna fail." Oh yeah. Well, if I fail, I don't get to the next step. I don't get my my dream, my my you know my goal as a kid. Right. It's not a dream. It's a goal. You know. And so I said, "Man, what can I do? Well, you can get recycled if you drop out now. Get recycled." You can get through the second time. I mean, you might pass, but Mike, honestly, <laughs> what were you saying? So I got, I did that. I got, and it's a lesson because you know, high school. So you, not you, a you joke. recycled. I, I did. I got recycled and got and got a lot of good help from you know the guys who give me some extra help. Yeah, and yeah. get me through it. Yep. You had to learn it. You couldn't. Yeah. Listen, you're not going to get out. This isn't you know. This isn't some high school. You know. Bullshit thing. This yeah. is the real deal. Yeah. And so, but it le- I learned a valuable lesson. I, I I needed high school. I yeah. needed to learn that. I I went through that, you know, because I was the smartest guy in the class. You know, I knew everything. I knew more than the teacher, right? Except in Spanish, because I couldn't speak Spanish. <laughs> but all the other teachers, I I mean, you know, you learn a lesson. And I try to pass that on to the next generation and to people out there. Yeah. If you're in high school or college, learn something. I used, to, I used to tell my kids. My kids would come home and hey, Dad, I got a B plus. I got an A. I don't care. What'd you learn? Tell me what you learned. I want to know. And and that's what's important. Mm. School's important. I didn't think it was. I didn't like it. It was a harsh environment. There was always fights going on. It was always, you know, we had gang wars. It was Brooklyn, man. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the gang wars we had, it, we we used to have Molotov cocktails in the sewers that would line in. You pick up the sewer and there's a, a little ledge. We have Pepsi Cola bottles with gasoline and regs underneath that. I mean, nothing's wow. changed. I mean, now they, you know, they, don't get me wrong. The weapons of today way surpass our zip guns and, and Molotov cocktails. But we had that. And and so, but so I go in and, I, and now I'm in the, you like the way I jump around from place yeah, no, to place? Yeah, no, it's crazy. Good. No, right? you're good. That's how my mind. I is. brought you back. That's why I'm so uncomfortable walking in here. It's so neat and clean. It's so neat. The and store clean. is amazing. No, it really is. <laughs> it's impressive, and I'm uncomfortable. What can I say? Yeah. The clean environment. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like my house. Yeah, like I walk in my house. There's nothing out of place. Yeah, your wife. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I got a wife and two great dogs, and there's nothing out of place. Yeah. Well, the dogs, sometimes they leave their toys, which I'm grateful for, yeah. because then they get yelled at more than me. Right. So, so some things you got to be grateful yeah. for in life. Absolutely. But, no, uh, you know. It's, so you it's, passed. You so I, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I passed. So uh, what happened from that point? Well, I got sent to Shaw Air Force Base, the home of um, the home of the um, um, uh, Tactical Air Command. Yeah, in in South when, Carolina. Is that when you started learning to, how to jump? Well, then you know, I got sent to jump school at Fort Benning. Got, how was that? E and E school. It was all good. E and E school down in uh, went down to Florida to. Um, Eglin Air Force Base and Herbert Field and go through the training down there. Then went through training in Fort Benning again. Then went to, to Fort Campbell, which is the 101st Airborne. Used to go up to 82nd Airborne to Fort Bragg. 
and make you know. I mean, you you do the whole thing. You know. Were you with any friends from school that went in with you? No. 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 And then okay, so then talk to me. Did you go to Vietnam? Did you where? Where did you do? Yeah, you know, you 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 go through the training. Yep. You go through everything else, and um, the, it was it was nineteen sixty five. So sixty four. It was early. Most of my guys went to the Dominican Republic. Yeah. I almost went in that one. Uh, that was with the 82nd Airborne. And half of my team, would, you know, we were going through it. The training was much more random. It wasn't like a focused school yep. that you're going to graduate from in six months or a year and, you know, get your beret and move forward. Uh, we didn't have that. It was sporadic. You go, you go to jump school. You come back, then you know maybe a month later. Hey, we're getting you side to E and E school, escape and evasion. Now it's called Sear School. Yeah. But then it was E and E, and and then whatever other schools you you know you have to go. It just up. Oh, this came up. That came up. You know, I I never got to the um, combat swimming school, which wasn't called that at that time. It was just some sort of a dive school. I did some swimming. Some schooling, but it, it wasn't nearly what it is today. None yeah. of that stuff is. And then um, it got sent to Vietnam, which is a long story. But we got sent. There were 13 of us, if I remember right, seven pilots, forward air controls, facts. And and my team was a 507 DA, the Direct Air Support Squadron, um, to back them up. And and uh, we were attack uh, peas, so we we gave them all the uh, brought in the air strikes, gave them all the support, made sure the radios worked, and we we're all set up. Uh, went out. Would sometimes you go out with the search and destroy missions or whatever they they had going out in the middle of the jungle, bring in the air strikes when they go. But basically, we brought in the air strikes for the hundred and first airborne first brigade. Yeah. So we get over there, and. Um, yeah, I, you know, here's the thing. I'm not a politician, or at least I wasn't then. I've done a lot since, so it's hard for me. To, I, I don't want to make it like a disclaimer. Cause, but then it was. Yeah. I wasn't. I don't know how we got there. You know, was it Kennedy? Was it before Kennedy? You know, Dian Ben Fu and all the rest of it. I, I, you know, we're there. I get in country. And, and we're in the middle of, we, 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 we went from Queen An to Fan Rang, which was all jungle. We laid the PCP runways, the, you know, the plastic yeah. stuff. We laid those runways in the middle of jungles. You know, after, after we left, they brought in 10,000-foot concrete runways for jets. We, we didn't have that luxury. But we get out there in the middle of jungle. And you meet these people, these South Vietnamese people. They're, they're just the, the sweetest people you've ever met in your entire life. They were wonderful people. I remember the little Catholic girls going, you know, wearing the same Catholic girl uniforms that, you know, we, we have yeah. here. In the, and then the Buddhist kids, you know, with the yellow Buddhist things that they, but that's what I remember. I remember the kids worked on the, on the farm, the rice paddies. You know, little kids bringing in the elephants, bringing in the equipment, whatever they did. It's just, these are peaceful people. These weren't, a, this wasn't a warrior class. Right. You know, and, and we worked 
you know, I get over there, and now you're working with um, whatever the South Vietnamese Army guys were, you know. And for, for us, they were um, uh, Kit Carson scouts. That was the term, Kit yeah. Carson scouts. Yep. And, the, and, the, and they helped us. They weren't badass warrior people. They were sweet, just God-loving people. And they didn't want to be taken over by the North Vietnamese. You know, South Vietnam, I, I called it Jack and the Beanstalk country. You throw the, you know, you throw the beans out the window and the rice grows. It's like magic. It just grows. The most fertile place in the whole world. Yeah. The most beautiful place I've ever been to with some of the most wonderful people. And they just didn't want to be taken over by the North Vietnamese. North Vietnamese were tough people, man. They lived in a mountain region where nothing grows. It's all rocks and mountains, and there's nothing fertile about it. So here they're coming down, and they're stealing the harvest from these people. And we were doing everything we can to save these people. Why not? Yeah. What did we do? What did they do wrong that America walked away? What, what did they do wrong... That we had these people protesting. Why were they, you know, what we why were they so vehemently, you know, for having these people murdered, killed, kidnapped, tortured, having all their food taken away, having I mean, what? What did they do? We there. Yeah. This is we we did that in Europe and we saved Europe. We saved quote unquote the world from what? From Hitler? And we gave them Stalin? Hello? <laughs> you know. Politics makes strange bedfellows. Here we are, partners with Stalin. That's crazy, man. Yeah. If you, you think Putin is bad? Hello? <sighs> Check out what Stalin did. I mean, it, 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 that was our partner. If it wasn't for Churchill, I don't know where things... And then we divide Europe, and we give Russia half of Europe. And, uh, I mean, you want to see... Was America... This great country, which it is, was it, do we always do things right? Do we always do great things? We try. We always strive, to, do, and we always strive to be a more perfect union. There's a lot of bumps in the road, baby. It's a lot of you know. It's hard. It's hard to get yeah. the right people in charge. It's hard to know the right formula. But if you understand, the goal is freedom for each individual. That's what capitalism is. Yep. Yeah, and and. It's it's also the reason why you know you gotta have your faith in the government. I always agree, but sometimes you gotta break up the monopolies. You gotta see. Wait a minute. You got a big business over there. Some guy's getting twenty million dollars a year to be the CEO of some company that's dominating an industry. That's all this. Maybe it's. I, I'm not that guy. I don't understand exactly how it works, but I don't think anybody else does either. <laughs> so I think that you know we go in there, we try to get a feel for it, and do the right thing. I, re I remember when they, when, they, when they broke up Ma Bell when I was, you know, a kid. I thought that was wrong. Yeah. No, man. Let them roll. Let them get big. Let them do what they do. And they broke them up. AT&T, by the bang. It happens. So we do that today. There's going to be some mistakes. Yeah. It's, it's the way. It, it's okay. It's America. We make mistakes. And then we go forward. We move on. Do something, even if it's wrong. Do something. <laughs> that's what my mom always says to well, me. That, that's it. Don't just sit there. My mom says that all the time. Right? Don't just sit there. Do something. Get yeah. involved. Do something, even if it is wrong. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? Even if you're a lawyer. Even you if you're a, a lawyer. Path. Pick a path. You know, you're going to vote for Democrats 
or are you going to vote for Republicans? Oh, you're going to pick and choose? Oh, no, no, no. It's a team sport, fella. You know, try to understand a little bit of what's going on. So I, I just... I, 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 I love the country. I think it's so. What? What? So Vietnam? How? What? How did you get? Like, did you say, "All right, that's it. I'm out of here." No, what? no, no. That's I. I um. I'm very proud of what we did in Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, we brought in, like I said, the airstrikes. Sometimes we would go up in a little O one bird dog. I was a crew chief, by the way. <laughs> that's a title. That's a title. <laughs> At what? Eighteen, nineteen. Well, you know, I was twenty, but 20, you know, yeah, I was, yeah. but 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 I was a crew chief on a one bird dog. I, I, no, that was a joke. I didn't. Yeah. you wouldn't understand. Right. <laughs> it's just, it's just a it, nonetheless, it's but, funny that we had to have a we had to have someone listen to crew chief. I go, okay, I'll do yeah. it. But that, it's that funny was, that you were in that with that title. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, it, I appreciate well, that. But anyway, so I'm, it, it's a you know front seat, back seat. You gotta. You got to find a pilot who's the pilot of this little O one bird dog, little prop with with white phosphorus rockets on the wings, and we'd mark the targets when you know we find the enemy. It was it was a tough job because you know we get calls from the hundred first airborne and they're pinned down someplace. They got some problem. We go and 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 you know the bad guys are in the tree line over here. We got to do this and that. So we got to mark the target. You got to bring in. Bringing in, hey, you got me talking about this. Yeah. Well, it, it, maybe it's important. Uh, you, you got fa- fast movers. That's a you know a jet. In my day, it was a, an F four, a, a, a one hundred five. You know, which was a Thunder Thug, which is a badass, big ass plane. Yeah. Going almost a thousand knots. I mean, that was nine hundred plus with a huge payload. Um, but you, you know, you get, you get two or three F fours, and and you bring them in, and you know, you you're directing. The pilots onto the target. So first, you want to get them to see you. Yep. Find us. We're up there at maybe three, four thousand feet. They're at six, seven thousand, whatever. Then they see you. Then they follow us down. Then we mark the target with a white phosphorus rocket. Sounds easy, but don't forget that target is the bad guys. The good guys, our guys, are maybe a couple of football fields away. Right. And sometimes less. Well, you don't want to get those guys wet with. Willie Peter, of course. That's that'll burn right through them, and you definitely don't want to get them hit by napalm. So we're we're bringing these guys in. So then we bring them in. They follow us down, and then we swerve away to get out of there. Um, you know the draft, uh, whatever. And so scary moments. Okay, you know it sounds easy, but it's not. And then. When it's all done, we go down for a BDA, a battle damage assessment. So you got to count bodies, theirs and ours, and everything else. And um, yeah, it was a little, you know, you, you don't want to see that. I mean, you never unsee it. Right. But that's the way it goes. So we would do that. Wow. Um, we we had some, we had some some hairy moments. Uh, I remember a lot often, um, but. There, there was one time uh, Willie Wilson was coming back from the train after getting the plane serviced, and when he was coming back, he saw over a big field a woman getting shot, and we came in with airstrikes. We brought we brought in the hundred and first to that scene, which was not the way it normally worked. Right. And I remember going 
over early in the in the day. Willie was coming back. It was like seven in the morning when he saw this. So we brought in the first group, about nine or ten, and I remember Willie describing the scene. And that's we flew over, and there's this woman, in, in a white blouse with blood, she's spread eagle face down, right in the frickin' middle, of this. I don't want to say a rice paddy, yeah. but they were harvesting the rice. But for us, it was it was a big old field. It's it's a long time ago, and that's what my memory yeah. is. And so we brought the hundred first in. They came in, cleaned out all the North Vietnamese regulars. It's a full day, and I was the first plane. And then the last flight, the pilot was Bob Satola, and. Bob was a second Louis, if I remember right. We went down. By this time, there was a stack of bodies that was higher than this building. And it was like, wow. I mean, it had been going on all day. Now it was like 3 or 4 o'clock, if I remember right. And I remember that woman in the middle of the field, spread eagle. Her arms spread out. With, just like I saw in the morning with the blood on the back of her white blouse. And um, it was it was horrible. I, mean, it was, I remember puking out the back windows. I, I had an M79 grenade launcher and my AR-15. And um, I remember, you know, flying over that the, the body. And we, we went down. I don't remember what we, why we got down that low during the whole yeah. thing, but we did. And it was, I think Bob just wanted to see if that was real, you know, but I, I just puked. And, you know, we'd fly up there about four hours at a time. We had enough fuel for that. And we were coming back, and it was, it was getting dark, and um, there was a convoy that needed some help. So we... We ended up flying convoy cover on the way back, and the, and then I was wiped out. I fell dead asleep. Uh, here I, <laughs> we had a, a whole, you know, whatever we did for that whole time, yeah. we're running out of fuel going back, and I, I'm like, okay, Bob, just get us home. I'm not even thinking. I'm dead asleep. <laughs> And I, I was up for the, for the yeah. convoy. Cause convoy, don't forget, when you're doing this in this little plane, zigging and zagging, yeah. it, it's it's almost better than not trying to get out of the way of a F-105 at the same time. Don't get me wrong. But it's still crazy. But then I, I and next thing I know, Bob's yelling at me because now it's dark, on the edge of dark. Yeah, We're landing on this PCP runway that we laid down with no lights. We came and see shit, and he's calling, and he's like, get up, wake up, Mike. <laughs> he's panicking because he needs my eyes in the back. And, you know, it's like we just we just felt our way back. But, you know, we did all that. I got to tell you one other quick story. Me and um, Jim Donaldson, no one Jim, it was uh, um, Robin Shea, me and Leroy Siffring, 
All right. Now, these, you got to understand, we're combat controllers, buddy. We, we're we bringing in airstrikes. We're putting our ass on the line every day for the 101st Airborne. We're embedded with the, with the 1st Brigade. We're interacting with them. We got battles going on with yep. them. I got an Article 15 for, I, I kept a, I kept a, 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 a fatigue shirt. I cut the sleeves off when I came back. Now, you, when you go out and you're walking through the jungles, right, you're not wearing short sleeves. Right. Trust me. And, and when I'm on an airstrike, whatever I'm doing. But when I'm not working, I'm back. I'm going to put my short sleeves on. Okay? Yeah. I got a freaking Article 15 for that for some goddamn second lieutenant from the 101st Airborne. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, now... I'm 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 very involved in the wall, and I'm very involved in that statue of the three soldiers with the American flag. There's some stories there that you want to hear. We don't have time today, I'm yeah. sure, but trust me, you want to hear those stories. There's a plaque on the ground dedicated to those who died from Agent Orange. That plaque cost seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Jan Scruggs, who's a friend of mine, the founder of the wall, asked me for help raising the money. I got Harley Davidson to put up over $250,000 of it. Wow. Gail Leone was the l lawyer <laughs> at Harley, <laughs> left wing, but she was a friend of mine. And I, I asked her, I said, I need money. Cause anytime I need money for veterans issues from Harley, I, I usually did pretty good. And they put up that money. Anyway, that statue of the three soldiers, I don't know if you've ever been there, yeah. none of them have sleeves. <laughs> No kidding. None of them have sleeves. It's a, it's a, the, an irony of ironies that you got three soldiers up there, Vietnam, you know, supposedly of different, you know, it's a diversity thing. Stupid. And, but those three soldiers, and and none of them have sleeves. <laughs> so so here we are. It was me, Leroy Siffering, and Robin Shea. And and Leroy was one of the, I mean, he was a smart guy. He would, he could do everything right. The setting things up, whatever he did. Robin Shea was the first Air Force guy I ever knew who got a CIB, a Combat Infantry Man's Badge, awarded from the Army. That was Robin Shea. Wow. I mean, little skinny dude, man. Skinny as a rail, but tough as a lion. You know, that was Robin. So we, we come back from an airstrike. We, I don't remember the circumstances. And so we go to this bar down. Now when I say downtown, it's dirt roads. Yeah. There's, there's nothing paved. The buildings are tin, you know, beer cans put together. But, you know, that's the only place you had for a little bit of solace right. in the afternoon. We got back. I don't, whether one of us got back or two of us, whatever. whatever. We said, hey, let's go. We, we grab a Jeep. Which I stole the Jeep. I had a Jeep. I stole it. Stole oh, it from the MPs and painted it over with a spray can. <laughs> <laughs> it was mine. It was at my disposal. I did that for Mr. Puth, who was a, what do you call those guys? Psyops guy. Yeah. Right? So, anyway, so that made it legit. I could, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a, we, anyway, that's another story. But we're down, and just the three of us. In this little pooch that's selling beer. And after about, I don't know, a couple hours of having a few beers, a few guys come in, the bomber's on comes over. Oh, you got to go, go now, you go now. Where are we going now? Next thing we know, we got three, four, five guys. They're all black. 101st Airborne. These are the guys we're saving all the time. Three, four, five black guys are in there. She goes, Oh, you go now. Now, some of the other girls that were serving us, 
gotta go. You gotta go. You can't be. Next thing we know, there's eight of the ten guys. They're all black. I don't care. They're Hunchy First Airborne. What do I care? Yeah. Next thing we know, black guy comes over. This is our place. Yo, you can't be here. What do you mean we can't be here? We just saved your ass last week. We did. You can't be. Next thing we know, we got six, seven, eight guys coming after us. And don't forget, I'm, I'm in those days, you don't want to mess with me. Yeah. Okay? I was a badass. I'd legitimately. Yeah. And they come in, and the next thing I know, they grab Leroy was first. And, of course, of course, um, Robin Shea, he was on it. I grab a guy, but there's there's like 10 of them. And they're throwing this out because we're white. Mike Hanchicorico, Hancho, the MP, who is bigger than you, about twice your size, actually, comes in, punches the guy that's holding Leroy. This happens so fast. But punch, I guess the Mamasan called the MPs, yeah. seeing this thing start to boil up. So we go, and, and they said, this is our place. It was the black guys had their home there, and they didn't want white guys there. That was it. Hancho blasted this guy. His teeth went out of his mouth. It, it, you could see it. And we're in the middle of this, you know, this scuffle, scuffle yeah. and everything. And... You know, that broke broke the whole thing up. You know, people talk about racism in the country. Where I grew up in Brooklyn, we had black gangs. We had the chaplains and the bishops. You would chaplain like a motherfucker or a bishop like a bull. Yeah. That's who, you were one or the other. That's it. That was it. That They dominated Brooklyn. I was a white guy. I, I, I had friends in both. <laughs> but... You understood. When I went into Brighton, Billy Mack, I think it was Billy Mack, Bobby Mack, Billy Mack. He was a black, a built, little short yeah. guy, Billy. I mean, you didn't mess with his territory. All right? I wondered, I mean, we got into some badass stuff. But when I saw him, and we were talking alone, you know, we were friends. But not if he's with his guy. They would, this stuff has been going on yeah. Forever. Forever. Don't give me your bullshit. Don't give me your Kaepernick crap. I mean, you think you think I care that it was you know ten black guys that wouldn't last? It's life. It's like it's America. It's chaotic, man. Freedom is chaos. Freedom is not neat and clean like your mattress store. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's in order yeah. and so wonderful. Freedom's a mess. I like that. And don't go labeling people just because you had a bad situation mm. with one or two. And remember, you know, in 1963 when I was in Mississippi because I was stationed there, and I'm like, whoa, this ain't right. You know, you're gonna you're gonna tell a black guy. I mean, I got more stories. I was I spent almost a month in the stockade for what I did at the Airmen's Club. But you, you know, but at the Airmen's Club, it's a bunch of stuff. Okay, like what'd you that. do there? I danced with a, my black friend was named, um, oh shit, I, what, what the, I can't remember his name. He never knew his dad. And his dad was a musician down on the Gulf Coast. So his dad was playing at, at the Air Force Base at Keesler, and it was his first time, so he had some cousins down there. And so we were all celebrating. I'm trying to do Dwayne wasn't Dwayne. It was almost Dwayne. Anyway, yeah, yeah. we were all there. 
me and him and like two or three other guys. And his cousins were there. Well, one of his cousins was beautiful. Oh, my God. I'm telling you, hot. Yeah. And with the ambulance, hey, you want to dance? Well, there were a bunch of guys that were offended me dancing with this chick. She's, she was black. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, Dwayne's cousin who, who you know, knew his dad, lived there, but he never met his dad. It was kind of cool, man. Yeah. Guy from the Bronx. His dad's down there now, yeah, you know, yeah. and all that. And um, so there was a big to-do about that. So, they, <laughs> so, so. I, I ended up getting in a lot of trouble. So, yeah, I spent, I spent a month. But I, it's okay because so, I got you out. You spent the month? I got Yeah, a month. I got out every night. Don't worry about it. I was good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you figured but, it out. But that's, but you're not going to wave a magic wand and, and blame and blame everything on the Pilgrims or the 1619 Project or you know the the, the critical race theory thing. You're not gonna, don't blame it. Every we're all wrong. We're all right. We want to be right most of the time. That's great. That's our goal. And and you know sometimes the road to hell's paved with good intentions. So is the road to heaven. Okay. Yeah. So you know if your intentions are right and you understand it and try to appreciate it and just. You know, go with it. Don't accept it. Change what you can. You know, you, you get out there, get in the mix. Don't just complain. And don't ever think that it doesn't matter. It does matter. Pick a path. You want to go with the Democrats? You want to go with the socialists, the communists, the Marxists? Good for you. Go with the Marxists. <laughs> but don't, don't elect Marxists because you like that guy or that girl because she's pretty or he's whatever. And and you th oh that's good because I'm going to vote for that Dem don't don't vote for the Republican even the pimply faced little scumbag he's a Republican <laughs> vote for that Republican because it's a team sport go down a path because that's where you have influence and you could change stay in the lane and use your influence use whatever you have yep. get involved send them emails send them letters do you know make the phone calls get Involved. My mother-in-law is coming in today to stay with us for, for oh, a little while. Yeah, she is. I love. She's awesome, and and she's you know you wouldn't think knowing her that she was you know this person so so involved in you know the pol, but she is. She understands. How, how old is she? I don't know. She's she's not young. She's she's not she's, young. But but she looks young. She acts young. She talks young. She's cool, like she's, you know, yeah. age isn't, it, it's, it's a matter of what you think. You know, put, put your head. You Where's know, your wife from? My, from New York. Brooklyn. New, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, long, you, how long have you been married? Ten years. Ten years? Ten years. So All met, ten years. So you, you met out here then? What's that? You met out here? Yeah, but she's from New York. I'm from New York. Wow. We met here at, you know, 24 years ago. And, wow, okay. And then, you know, we've been, whatever. But, but you know, but her mother... She does, she writes, she sends emails and text messages. Sometimes I go, wow. But, you know, and, and I, I mean, get involved. It, it may not make a lot of difference. You may think your vote doesn't make a difference. It's one grain of sand on a beach. Yep. But every grain, it takes every grain yep. to make the beach. And so get involved, vote, feel good about yourself. Like I feel good about my dad saving the world. And they always will. Feel good about that vote. Set the example for your kids, for your friends, for your loved ones. Just, don't just complain. 
and stay in a lane. Pick a lane. Pick a lane. <laughs> Don't vote for a Marxist and a communist and, and vote for a Democrat and think you're not. I mean, I think, you know, we, we've seen some bad stuff. It could get worse. You know, I'm not, it's not automatic. I think, yeah, God's rooting for us. It's his country. But we got we to gotta pay it back. You know, one day we could talk about the cross on Mount Soledad. That was my petition that got the that cross saved. Really? Oh, yeah, really. And Philip Paulson, who was the, 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 the guy that sued to have the cross taken down. But it wasn't Philip Paulson. It was the ACLU. Mm. But they used Philip Paulson because he was a combat vet from Vietnam. And he didn't want to see that cross. And that's a whole... That's a whole other kettle of fish, buddy. That's a whole story. Wow. But you got to understand that the differences are there. You've got to... And I'm not telling anybody, especially some politician who's representing me, you don't compromise. You don't. You know, this whole thing of reaching across and everything else. No, no, no. Compromising is generational. Yes. It'll all work out. Yeah. Stick to your guns. You know, I know there was a mess, you know, of getting McCarthy elected and doing all that stuff. And I've been railing against him for years. When he allowed, what was it, 13 or 19 Republicans to vote for the infrastructure bill, I said, what kind of leader is this guy? That's not a leader. You don't let that go. And friends of mine say, oh, Mike, those guys got to go back home and get like, I don't want to hear that. You're either a leader or you're not a leader. Right. If you're a leader, you say, I don't care about your election. I care about this vote. You get that vote right. It's no. But he didn't do that. I said, that guy's no leader. I don't know him. He could be a nice guy, bad guy, whatever. I hear him on Fox or this news station or whatever. He parrots my beliefs for the most part. Yep. But he's no leader. But they they took all the money he raised. You know, he raised the millions of dollars. He went around. They let him do all that. That's like coming home one day and seeing someone painting your house. And you watch him paint the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they give you a bill and you say, I didn't ask you to paint my house. Wait a minute. And they, they painted the wrong address. Well, that's too bad. Well, you should have stopped me. You were watching me. <laughs> you let me paint your whole house. You know, why should I stop you? Right. Well, then pay. <laughs> right? Yeah. You got a little dilemma going on here. Yeah. So, but then again, at the same time, you got these Republican guys that are saying, wait, we, we want to make sure this guy can lead. We're going to set down some rules. He needs help. Or we got to get a different guy. So we saw that in action. That's the chaos of freedom. That's It's good. So I don't want my guys to compromise. At the end of the day, we're going to be compromised sooner or later. Right. The pendulum's going to swing. Things are going to happen. You know, we'll get our way a little bit. They'll get their way a little bit. Then it'll work out. You know, things will. It, it's just, it's just the way it is. But stay. If you don't stay involved, you just sit on the sidelines. Especially those people that don't vote. Yeah. And then the people that don't vote have the audacity to ask for term limits. Like, wait a minute. No. You get involved. This is America. Play the game. Be part of democracy. Yep. And maybe you'll get a lot of what you want. But what we don't want is communism, socialism, Marxism, or Hakeem Jeffries. And Hakeem Jeffries, now the leader of the Democrats, is probably one of the most dangerous people on planet Earth outside of 
Prime Minister Xi, whatever, you yeah. know. I mean, that's serious Crazy. going on. Yeah. All right, so hold. So go back. What, so We're going back again? I'm going back. I got to. Jeez. I got to close the loop on this Vietnam thing, bro. It's insane. Um, so what? So when you came back, did you go back again to Vietnam? How many tours did you do? When did you get out? Did you say, all right, I'm out, I'm done with this? Well, that's the interesting thing. It's probably why I got out of the service, by the way. Okay. Um, See, it's good I came back to this. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> right? So... I'm in Vietnam. We, we, you know, we complete. We didn't complete the mission, but we, you know, we did yeah. everything we did. Um, and it wasn't like we were oblivious to the world. We were not. We we knew what was going on. Stars and stripes would have the protest on the front freaking page. Um, the, you, you people who went and protested us away. You didn't do that well. Some of them did in World War II. My dad. Walk the beaches, okay, Be, and had it at, at night on Atlantic Beach by the by the uh, Barnaby uh, Lighthouse or whatever. Yeah, because the German citizens would come and shine their lights on the water's edge so the German U-boats could see. Okay, there was a lot of protest mm. back then. Yeah, there were people that wanted us to go on on the side of Hitler. Okay. Big people. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a big deal. But without going through all that stuff, just to, so people know, I remember Americans. You know, we didn't have the the, the tie dyes stuff. We didn't. We had white t shirts. We're walking with white t shirts through the jungle, straight up. Yeah, Americans are getting killed because they didn't care. It was scary going through them freaking jungles because you, you you had the bouncing Bettys, those little, you know, yeah. what they call IEDs now. Right. Right? Um, improvised explosive devices. Well, the way the North Vietnamese made them, they would bounce up and hit you right in the nuts. It would, you know, step on the tripwire, boom. And we, we thought the fields were full of that stuff as well as other landmines and everything they got from Russia, China, and all the rest of it. By the way, we had a big deal in, uh, um, not Tuiwa, in um, right, right north of Saigon, um, there was a uh, an orphanage that was taken over by the North Vietnamese and used as a weapons cache. And there was an airstrike that brought in by, um, the hell's the name of that town? God damn it. Um, Anyway, we brought in an airstrike on there, and and then the guys that were on the ground captured forty three thousand dollars of Chinese payroll. Yeah, that's nineteen sixty five. Wow. Forty three thousand dollars of Chinese payroll. Wow. Yeah, as well as the bodies of Chinese soldiers. So it's been going on for a long time. This is not anything new, but we're not hearing about it. We never heard about it. The politicians never tell you about it. Yeah. That doesn't make them all scumbags, okay? A lot of them are because most of them, Harrell, Peanut Gallery, everybody together, most of them <laughs> are lawyers. Are lawyers. <laughs> lawyers. That's what they are. Why do they run for office? To get more business. Yeah. That's how they get business. They're lawyers. So, you know, but, you know... <laughs> You and your lawyers. That's the way it is, buddy. So <coughs> The riot. So, you know, um, 
what's the moral of the story? He asked me something. Oh, so yeah. coming back, getting back. So the, I get back to the country, and I see all these protests. By the way, I, I at that time, I I worked for the 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 biggest mobster in the South, Johnny Davis, and he was. In, I kept meaning to ask you this, if yeah. you if you were involved at all, Johnny Davis. I was very involved with Johnny Davis. Johnny Davis, he owned a couple of nightclubs in South in uh, Columbia. Columbia was a Columbia, South Columbia, South Carolina, a dry state. Yeah, yeah. But we had our clubs. They did, and uh, Johnny owned the um, Army Navy Club on Wheat Street, another Army Navy Club, and the Grasshopper Club, and and I was a bouncer on Wheat Street, on the Grasshopper Club. And I was his personal bodyguard whenever he needed somebody to go with him. Now, everybody else looked like about three times my size. <laughs> Billy French was 300 pounds. There was um, oh, there was everybody. They were all big. Yeah. But, you know, I, I was well-trained. <laughs> and, and I could do it. What was your training? Boxing, martial arts? What, what kind I of training? Was, I was a boxer, and I was a, uh, I was a head instructor at Barkut's Karate School, which was probably the finest in the country. In Colombia, um, yeah, that's another yeah, yeah. long whole history. <laughs> God, lesson. here we go. Yeah, so I come back anyway, and um, Johnny, I was going to California because I wanted to go to college, and I wanted to go to college, get a real education, to use it, and go back in the military. I loved being in the military. Did you really? I did, um, and it was miserable. It was, it was something you have to hate wow. in order to love, to appreciate. you got to hate those hateful times. It, I always tell people, you, God bless these people that join the military to protect our freedom because we give up our personal freedom to protect the freedom of the country. Yes. You go in the military, and all of a sudden, instead of being innocent until proven guilty, you're subject to the UCMJ, which is you know the Uniform Code of Military Justice, yep, yep. which means you're guilty until proven innocent. That's right. And then, you know, you could be an E4 or an E5, but if somebody has been in, in rank a month longer than you, they're in charge of your life. That's right. They could be moron, stupid. They could be whatever. Doesn't matter. They're in charge, and you 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 allow that. You allow yourself to be put in that position. Well, God bless you and thank you. And I did that. Yep. But what I was what I was able to do, being in the military, that you can't do anyplace else. Well, I did a little. You know, I, I, it, it was worth it. Okay, but I was also saving my country as well as the world. So I come back, and I you know, and Johnny says, Mike. Why don't y'all go to the university? University of South Carolina right down the street. Yeah. Why don't y'all go to the university? I said, Johnny, I got a GED. <laughs> I never graduated high school. I got a GED in the military. I said, so I can't get to college. You know, I could get away with it in the military, you know, but I can't. And if college is free out in California. So he says, what if I can get you in the university? I said, Oh, okay. So he sets me up with a meeting with Strom Thurmond, Senator Strom Thurmond. I go up to his office and say hello, and he sets me up with this guy, T. Cave, who was his guy around his office. Next thing I know, I'm at the University of South Carolina as a resident. <laughs> yep, plus the GI Bill. I couldn't pass it up. 
So I stayed in in uh, Columbia, and yeah, you know, and and I owed Johnny, and he took good care of me. I he paid me good. Um, if I needed tires on my car, <laughs> he'd say he'd say. Mike, y'all running around with them bold tires. Johnny, I can't afford to buy a new tire. Maybe next week. I'll ride my motorcycle. That's all. So, you know, he. next thing I know, I got a set of tires waiting for me. Yeah. So it was, you know, stuff like that. But but Johnny was a, uh, you know, he was a badass, man. 1954, he shot a guy in the card game, killed him, uh, got, accused the guy of cheating, so they sent him to Fort Smith, mm. and he built a couple of nightclubs in Fort Smith. Waited about ten years and then came back. <laughs> now, it wasn't even ten years. What, what he crew was, was he uh, in charge of? Uh, he he had his, he was just and the nicest guy. He he had a skeet shooting range that he owned, big place. Him and his, and his son. Uh, I was I was teaching his son martial arts, yeah. and his daughter his daughter was named Star. And his son was this Johnny Junior. Yeah, John, Johnny. Yeah. Nice kid, really nice kid. He was a ski, he was a world skeet shooting champion. The kid. Wow. Yeah, John was a little Greek guy, you know, and just cool, cool dude, man. So but, did you? Graduate? But they were, you know, that that was that was everything he did was illegal. So, everything. Well, but he got you into college. Right? Did you graduate? Uh, no, my dad died. I had to go back to New York. Oh, but man. but. You asked me about Vietnam. Yeah. So I come back, and I go back. Now, I had there were things we did a lot of training, and I'll tell you something interesting. That w w every year we have a reunion in Vegas in April. Combat controllers. There's only 300 combat controllers today. I don't know what we we had when I when I was in. I don't, 50. I don't know what the number was. But, and, and we, we, I, every year we have what's called a loop ride. My, my friend Mark Nabot started it 15 years ago. And we ride from San Diego to Vegas for the reunion. There's like 200 CCT guys that come in. And so this year, about 15 guys, some of them fly in from around the country, fly to Vegas, rent to a Harley. Ride down here, and then we ride. All, we all ride back. But there were fifteen of us, and they wanted to go to Mount Soledad, so we did. And I gave them a whole story in the background. Um, and Neil, uh, the uh, chairman of uh, the Mount Soledad uh, Association, was there, and they started talking to him. And they said, "Hey, we want to put a plaque up." And so they they started talking about putting a plaque up. And they, they're in the process of doing that. So this year, they're going to put a plaque up on that ride. Um, and I found out, because Mark is running it, there were 51 combat controllers who've been killed since 9-11. So since 9-11, 51 killed. 26 of them killed in training. In training? In training. So when you... You know, when people talk about combat control, special operations guys, Navy SEALs, Mossack Marines, you know, whatever, you got to think about, it. wow, that's, I mean, I was shocked. But I, when I think back, I go, wait, maybe I shouldn't have been so shocked. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't have been so surprised. But that's huge. Out of 51 killed, 26 were in training. Wow. So we trained back then. 
It's not like today. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. These guys are really trained. I mean, what I went through was a joke compared to today. Right. But that's what we had. So you go through the training. Then you get into combat situation. Whoa. This is all different. Who expected this? This isn't what we were trained for. Well, there's a lot of components of what we did in combat that, yes, we were. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. But then you feel like, wait a minute. I got to tell these guys what it's like to go out with a you know, a, a search and destroy unit that they're going to get all pissed off because I'm going to set up for, you know, for my, my foxhole is set up so I can reach the fast moves if we have to bring in an airstrike. Okay? These guys, all they care about is line of fire. Their line of fire and my line of sight sometimes conflict. You got to teach these guys that. Me and Jim Donaldson. Jim Donaldson was one of, one of great, great guys. Stayed in for 29 years as a combat controller. Great history. Fabulous guy. He's my partner. We fall out to go into the first time we went for on the on search and destroy. We had boonie hats, right? Boonie yeah. hats. We're special, right? Boonie hats. Yep. We go out to first sergeant. I don't know, it's old Doc 30, 5 in the morning. I don't even know what time. He's like, get your helmets on. I'm sorry, Sarge, I don't need a helmet. I'm an Air Force combat controller. I'm special. You got that helmet on. Next thing I know, he goes and wakes up the captain. Captain Gardner, who eventually became a general, who I found out was a West Point graduate, Captain Gardner. Captain Gardner comes out, gets out of his freaking tent, comes out of his bunk and comes out. And looks at me, <laughs> Jim Donaldson, and says, "All right, guys, just that's great. Hey, Sarge, easy. These these guys are the talk. Snipers look for someone that looks different, and they're going to see these guys. Don't worry about. Oh shit! Me and Jim Donaldson ran back and got those helmets <laughs> so freaking fast. But you want to transfer these messages, these lessons, along with all these other lessons, right? Yeah. So I get back from Vietnam." which is a whole story in and of itself because on the way back, I stumbled into San Diego for about three weeks. <laughs> that's another story. I'm not telling that and, story. So and that's back, what made you come here? I get back to the, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm back, to, you know, and I'm assuming that they're going to help me. Or I'm going to help them do the training. And I go in there and I got some tech sergeant, you know, some, what, E6, you know, he's going, all right, here's your assignment. You're gonna come here. You're gonna get, we got a couple of cans of paint. You're gonna you're gonna paint the hangar. I look over my buddy. It's like, huh? I thought you know we're gonna use our trend, what we learned, our skill set. I got back around May, and my my discharge date, and my four years were up at the end of August. So uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to decide what I'm going to do. I want to go to college. Can I get in? Can I not get in? You know, I'm going through that whole thing. Yeah. And he says, "You're going to paint the warehouse." I said, "I'm I'm not going to paint the warehouse. You, I just come back. I've been in Vietnam. I came back from a whole tour. I got some valuable. Sh are you are you going to keep talking? I'm going to give you another article 15. Okay. So I get the ladders put the ladders up i get two buckets of freaking paint and put it on you know the wooden ledge that they folds down put it up against the freaking wall and i push off and go <laughs> boom all over the floor that was my next article 15 
And that was my decision. <laughs> the hell with these. This is stupid. And it was. It was stupid. How stupid. Not the, I was insulted. And, you know, here we have all these anti-war rallies. Outside. Hey, I want to show you how to win the war. This is what you do. We got to get over there. We need, we need to do this soon, fast. It's 1966. We're losing 100 guys a week right now. Nope, they don't want to hear about anything from me. So that's why, that's why I got out. I got out. I go to the University of South Carolina, which, by the way, I loved. Yeah. Don't forget, I was 22 years old. Yep. Yeah, just about 22. And all these kids are 18. I'm a freshman, right? Yep. I get in there. They don't even know the world's the world. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm traveled and I'm, you know, and, I, and I'm like, I'm appreciating. I'm sucking up as much knowledge as i possibly can i can tell you my professor's names today wow sitting there in class taking notes working a full-time wow. full-time job at, at at the karate school i'm teaching every day from like what three to five from six to nine then i get out of there go over to the army navy club on wheat street and i work there till two in the morning three in the morning and then on the weekends, I'm going over to the Grasshopper Club. I mean, but I'm loving. Loving. What time I don't spend on campus in class, I'm going to the library. And I'm sitting there and I'm studying and learning. And it was, it was great. And I walk through the thing and I find out, oh, there's an anti-war rally. What the, what are you kidding? What's going on here? They got an anti-war rally going on. Then I start dating this girl. Can't remember the name from Tennessee. And, and by the way, the servant that it made you appreciate what we have here, the freedom to do what you want, studying. Also, the hippies and the morons appreciate the fact that half the world, half this country is a bunch of freaking, you know, hippies, a bunch of morons, a bunch of people that don't understand that you got to fight for these people. What's going on with these South Vietnamese people? That, that, you know, obviously, what, eight, nine, ten years later, this is 66, 67, so in 75, they're, they're running out of the country, drowning in the South China Sea, just trying to get away from there. Yeah. Thousands of them. And this was what I saw coming, that they had no freaking idea. So I go to these anti-war rallies, and I say, what the hell's going on here? And there's all these, you know, hippies with their long hair and their beads and their banjos and guitars, and they're all out there, and they got the microphone, and it's all going on. And I'm like, hey, 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 I got I to gotta talk. Now, I, you know, I... I had long hair for being in the military, yeah. but I've been out for a while. It's growing a little bit, but I'm not looking nothing like that. And I go up there suspicious right away. Next thing I know, I grab the microphone and I'm saying, hey, I just got back from Vietnam six months ago. You're killing us. We're dying out here trying to free these people. I get about, you know, 30 seconds worth out of my mouth and they're trying to pull me off. Well, I was, like I said, a badass. So they, it wasn't easy for them to pull me off. Trust me. Yeah. So they pulled the cord out of the microphone. And so it goes dead. But, but I learned. I said, I got to go back. I got to find out where these pros. I went to rallies every week and got up there until I could figure out. I mean, usually they'd pull the cord, get me off. Sometimes it'd be, you know, two or three big guys that would come up. Whatever happened, happened. But, but after a while, I got to where I could be up there for two, three minutes at a time. I got good at getting up there and saying, Hey, I know that you know you guys don't want to go to war and you don't want to get killed and you don't want to this and that. I just want you to I'd kind of ease into it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I tell them, You're killing us. We're trying to save these people. And so by that time, they've invested a minute and a half 
and I learned how to talk. And that's really how I learned how to talk in, yeah. in front of... It's like now, if I go through a, a, a crowd of you know, 30 or 40,000 people like I just did at the Buffalo Chip in, in, in Sturgis this summer, don't matter to me. I don't have anybody throwing shit at me, pulling my <laughs> pulling my collar, trying to get me off the stage. That's, that was my uh, you know my baptism yeah. under fire. So yeah, so that was coming back from Vietnam and getting back into the thing. But then I get my my dad died. I had to go back to New York. I never wanted to. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I didn't. I found out that nobody talked about being in Vietnam. I would. Mm. I was. I told you I was dating this girl in Scout. Columbia, and we went on one or two dates. The fucking second date, I threw in the back of my motorcycle. We rode to Lake Murray, had a great time. Came back. I see her up at the student union. The next day, she's at a different table, and she's not looking at me. Next thing I know, I got like five, six guys coming over, telling me, "Hey, we, they're protecting her." Next thing, I look up, she's running out with her girlfriends, and they're telling me, "I didn't tell her I was in Vietnam. I was in Vietnam." And then she's like terrified of it. It's like, are you kidding me? Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're yeah. kidding me. I mean, I'm telling you, that's that's the way it was. We weren't just called wow. baby killers and, and throw names at. The, the, we, people found out we were in Vietnam. It was like we were treated like, you know, pariahs. We, we You know, it, it was bad. Wow. Really bad. So people never said anything. So... When I when I got to New York, I get to Kennedy Airport. My dad had a little business there. I get to Kennedy Airport. I got to take care of my family. I got a 13-year-old brother. I got a four-year-old sister. I've got to take care of them. I can't leave. And in New York, you don't go any place and let anyone know that you were ever near Vietnam. And I'm not the kind of guy that lives that way. Right. So I got a big mouth and... You know, it it it, it was you kind of feel ostracized. No kidding. But I had to take care of the family, so I had to start my business. I couldn't do what I was doing. I got the first thing I did. I was working as a bouncer in the uh, Steve Paul scene on Forty Eighth and Eighth. Uh, my best friend was Louis Delgado, was number one black belt in the country. Yeah. At the time, and um, so we were training at the Seventh Street Dojo. And we'd go over to Steve Paul's and work. He got put out of business by the mafia. I mean, that was a sad story. But um, Skip Ingram, who was the doorman, looked like Mr. Clean. Yeah. Skip was pretty cool to a great guy. But, you know, they, they came down with like eight, ten guys and jumped them. And there's just so much you could do. He had a dojo on 6th Avenue. This was the mafia? Yeah, well, yeah, they, they, you know, they didn't look like it. They didn't come in right. suits and ties. Yeah. But, you know, Steve Paul, he was a record label guy who owned it. And, you know, after the second time, he got an ABC hit, Alcohol and Beverage yep. Commission hit because the fight that broke out and he closed it. It was a great place. We used to have, remember the uh, aquarium, mm -hmm. the Aquarius, the yeah, play? Yeah. You know? All the we had all the play. It was right there, Eighth Avenue and Forty Eighth Street. The crew of Aquarius used to hang out there all the time. You talk about an anti-war place, man. Oh Jesus Christ, you have no idea what it was like. I mean, I'm there and I'm listening. I'm a fly on the wall, and I'm not liking what I'm hearing. But that's the way it is. Yeah, 
you know, I got a bunch of stories about that place. But when, um, what was that upstate thing in New York, the big, the big, big thing upstate New York, the anti-war rally up there? I don't know. Yeah, you know, everybody knows. Um, oh, uh, I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, there you go. You I know, know what you're talking place. about, though. It's on the tip of your brain. Just yeah, say it. Yeah. You spit it out before me and you win. I can't think of it. Yeah, you can. No, I can't. Why not? I I can't think of it. No idea. <laughs> anyway. You know it. I, I, I do know it. That was going on up there. Yeah. In upstate New York. Spencer, you know it? Of course you do. No. I can look it up. I can look it up. <laughs> wow, look it up. My God. What what world do we live in? See, that's an advancement. It's great. Yeah. We're going to get better. It's going to get better. We're going to get better. Anyway. Um, so the gal who played... The lead role in that Aquarius play that she takes off all her clothes at one time. She was a hot looking. She wasn't black, man. She was beautiful. She was, she was black by today's standards. Right. My black friends would never have accepted her. She much, much too white. Yeah. <laughs> much light. too light skinned. Yeah. To, to to meet their standards, but she was beautiful. She my, my motorcycle was parked outside, and. Um, she just wanted me to take. It was August. It was hot, and um, there was, you know, it was everybody. Everybody had to go up to that uh, big anti-war rally, and I'm like, no. You know, it was like it was ugly. It was bad. Yeah. Then some of the guys that heard her asking me, and then you know, a guy says something. Mike, are you kidding? You're not going to go? I said it's a freaking anti-war rally. God damn it! You know this is 1969 Woodstock. And I'm saying, there you go. Bullshit, man. I ain't going to an anti-war. Don't you guys know I'm a Vietnam? I listen to all your shit all the, you know. So we get through and we get this big kind of a, you know, mess up with that. Yeah. All stuff. But, you know, that was um, that was part of being a Vietnam. Did death, you end up man. going up there? What's that? Did you end up going up there? Hell no. Why no. would I ever go up there? I didn't think so. Why would I? Why would I so forget about, you know, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You know, I mean, all that sounds good. But today you're paying the price. You're paying the price for all those drugs. We have a drug culture today. Yeah. Are you kidding? Everybody says, oh, there's 100 people dying of fentanyl. 100,000 people dying of fentanyl. There's been 100,000 people dying of drugs and overdoses, and, and their whole lives have been messed up because of it. You know, I, I look, I'm not condemning people because they get addicted. We all feel badly for them. But I got friends who are alcoholics, who are addicted, who've worked for the last 10, 15, or even 28 years getting out of it. You got to salute that. You got to appreciate yeah. that. Yep. Well, how do you appreciate that and not condemn the others? You can't. You can't. It's okay yep. that they're addicted. Well, it's either okay they are or it's okay that they've come out of it. And, I, you know, you gotta, it, it can be done. Because there are so many people doing it, setting right. the example. Yeah, yeah. They should be inspiring all these other people, including our politicians, to understand the price they pay. You think it's easy to be, to be a, a, an, an addict who's now sober? They, they work every day to every stay day. sober. Yeah. God bless them. They work every day to stay sober. You know, I leave my house this morning to drive down here, like, what, 7 o'clock? Yeah. And I see workmen. It's raining. They're, they're putting the cones down. And you think, wow, these guys get up at what? 
four, five o'clock in the morning every single day. Yeah. You know, these guys are in their 40s and 50s. I did it when I was in my teens. <laughs> but this is what they do every single day. They work. They're not taken from the government, from you and me, from the taxpayers. They work. They put on their work clothes. They're, you know, the multicolored stuff that looks so silly. They get out there and they try to make the streets somewhat safe and all that. People do things every single day of their lives to make their lives work that make our lives work. Yep. When they, when you talk about, and I heard your guy talking about whatever he was talking about the other day, made me think of the old story of the, of the drunk on the bus. And he's drinking, and he's drinking this lady sitting there, very proper lady. She goes, Mr., you're going straight to hell. And he looks and he says, I guess what, lady? You're on the same bus. Yeah. <laughs> and I always think about that because I'm I'm more concerned with where the bus is going than where, the, where that guy's going. It's the bus. Yeah. We're all in this together. We're all on the same bus. There's going to be people who are, you know, they're, they're drinking, they're smoking, they're doing whatever they're doing. They're, okay. But when they sober up and they work hard, there's people every day that are making sure that bus stays on the road, making sure everything is working right, that we're going in the right direction. There's people out there doing that. If they weren't doing that, that bus would be wiggly, wobbly, going off the road. But it's not. Yeah, We're still going forward. So be grateful for those people. And when it comes to this whole thing, the drug culture and the rest of it, yeah. look at those people every day of their lives who are working to be sober. That's Those are people we got to appreciate. They, and I don't appreciate it because the guy says, oh, yeah, I got my cake this week or whatever, so 10 years, 12 years. Think about it. It's every single day. Every day. And they're working every single day. It's not easy. No. Once you're addicted, so when someone's addicted, it's not an excuse. Don't yeah. tell me you're addicted, that's why you, you drove drunk. Don't tell me you're addicted, that's why your work is sloppy. Don't tell me you're addicted, that's why the government should, that's why you're homeless. You're addicted, that's why you should become sober. Here's the example. Some good people. People that have a lot more than you have, but know how important it is to stay sober. Yep. That's what we should be talking about every day. When, when television shows you, you don't smoke and they show all their commercials, and now they're showing these commercials about what, race something or other? Show a commercial about someone who's sober. Let them tell their story. Get sober. You want to fight the drug traffic? Of course you got to fight the cartels, but the cartels are in partners with the Democrat Party. Yeah. It's not just Joe Biden. He didn't do this alone, you know. He's doing what the whole Democrat Party is working with the cartels to enslave as many people as they can in the sex trade, in, 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 in human trafficking. Boy, you, you think I'm making that up? Keep going. I mean, but no, but it's a fact. It's a fact. That's what's going on. Yeah. You Americans, you who vote for the, by Biden or you who don't vote enough for the opposites of Biden or you who think that, oh, they're all the same. They're not all the same. Yeah. They're just not all the same. That's the way it is. Republicans believe in something, believe in what they believe in. They're not all perfect. They believe in small, limited government. They believe in protecting our borders. They believe in what Donald Trump said, that we're going to form a more perfect 
union every day. We are going to make America great again and again and again. As many times as it takes. Because you make America great, and then, of course, you elect a Democrat, and it falls back. So you got to make America great again. <laughs> it's, it's a cycle that never ends. It's the way it is. It's part of being in a free country. Yeah, that's so, right. But, but, you know, when we talk about things like what's going on at the border, it's a big deal. Yeah. We talk about things like not being ready for the Chinese invasion. They're invading us every day. Every day. Every day. They have access to America through Delaware, through a little house in Delaware owned by a guy who's actually the son of the president. You know, Hunter Biden is the owner of the house that he rents. I mean, do you believe this whole scandal thing? He's paying his father $50,000 a month for that house? What's going on here? 50. If that's not money laundering, <laughs> then, you, know, you ought to put out a like a, a podcast on how to launder money. Yeah. He'd make a lot of money. Yeah, just show that. the just show what the government does. I mean, this is what's going on. The Pentagon lost what track of two trillion dollars in the last audit. They failed another audit. Well, no, they didn't lose track. What was of it? it? They sent all that money that they made. The Pentagon makes a lot of money. Oh yeah, selling all this stuff to the Ukraine. But remember what Eisenhower said: Beware of the military-industrial complex. Yeah, you got to beware of the military-industrial complex. Who are these guys? Who's this General Milley? He wants to spend a little more time learning about, what, CRT or something? White rage. Yeah. White rage. <laughs> you joke. <laughs> Come on. They lost track of $2 trillion. What was it? Lost? They lost track of it or something? How, how does that happen? How does it... How's it happen without firing somebody? Yeah, I mean, you got to fire people, man. And then hear us with small businesses where our, our feet are held to the fire. If you for, did for, in small business what this government did, you you wouldn't have a business. You wouldn't have a you, you couldn't you wouldn't have a stay life. in business. A guy like you, you couldn't stay in business if you didn't work every day. That's the other thing. You know, I love to hang out, give it a little commercial for uh, Excalibur cigars. Tom, yeah, works. You know, he runs the place right over here. Right over here, yep. right down the street. I love going there. And one of the things I love is watching Tom. He's there first thing in the morning. He sets it up. He works. You can see him working. He's the best host. His employees, Fred, uh, I, I mean, Rosarita, these people, they they follow his example to a T. Love it. He'll take care of you. Customers come and he's right. This guy works. And you look at this and you go, that's what an entrepreneur does. The government, if the government did, the worked the way... The, the, you know, business owners work we'd be a great country we'd be fine even if we had a few lefties in there you know yeah i mean but but that's what that's what these guys do that you know the the people that work that own their own business 60 hours a week 80 hours whatever it takes yeah when i worked my 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 store san diego harley davidson we were the biggest in the freaking country man okay we yeah. sold more bikes than anybody but nonetheless I had to be there every day. Yeah. Now, look, I wouldn't be there when I rode to Daytona or Sturgis or I ride to the wall every year. I do that every single year. That I can't live without that. But I, I, I'm still working. And so when I come back, it's, it's not five days a week, 40 hours. It's every day. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's entrepreneurs. That's what it takes and people don't get it. That's why when the government comes in and says, well, we're gonna, you have to pay a minimum wage. You have to pay a living wage. Hello? What? 
you know, you have to tell your people that they have to take a lunch break. My people don't want a lunch break. It's a Saturday afternoon. We got a crowd of people. They're working on a salary plus a commission yep. for, for sales and profit sharing. This is They got people online. I don't care. They got to sit down for an hour. But what about the 10-minute break thing? What about the what? They, they got to do a 10-minute break in the morning, 10 in the afternoon. Oh, yeah, yeah. All yeah. that stuff. Yeah. All that stuff. But they don't want to. They got to finish the job that they started the other day. So they get the job done. So the guy that comes to pick up his bike, they're going to go. But the government's going to come in. They know better. They know better. The people in your state assembly, the people in your state senate, they know better how to run my business. What the hell do they know about running a business? They're a bunch of freaking lawyers. <laughs> That's what they do. You elect these lawyers. They don't know how to do anything but sue people. They don't know how to work and earn and make money, put it on the line, take risk. What do they know about that? They get a license to steal. 008. 008. Oh, license, 007 was a license to kill. 008 is the license to steal. That's your law degree. Yeah. <laughs> you stick to schools, kid. You get that law degree. You'll be rich for the rest of your life. Um, I'd love not. to know along the way, like, how you got so sour with lawyers. Well, you, you, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. You know. And I've never been a plaintiff in my life. I might be them tomorrow, but I, I, I so far. <laughs> but I've been on the other side of that coin yeah. for a freaking long, long time. Oh, yeah. And it's always there. Yeah. You get sued every other day. And then, you know, you buy the insurance. And they say, it's like robbing the bank. You know, you say, don't worry about the bank. They got insurance. Insurance right. goes up and it goes up until one day the insurance companies go, we don't want to take that risk. It's the same thing. I mean, I remember a lawsuit I had 27, 28 years ago. I had some kid that we gave a Christmas bonus to and he wasn't happy. So he goes in, goes in the next day and he starts cursing. And my controller, wonderful person, great gal. Her husband was a Navy guy, eventually retired. N nice family. He goes in there. I'm out. I'm, I'm away. All of a sudden, I'm hearing, this kid is going in there. He's yelling and screaming. You know, she's crying. And what's going on? I fire him. I get sued. I get sued. Yeah. <laughs> what, are you kidding me? Why did why he yell and scream? He wasn't happy with his Christmas bonus. Oh we gave him a bonus. Wasn't enough. So he goes in and screams at her. I get sued. That was early on, like 1993. I think it was the first Christmas. Our first Christmas. Our first Christmas. Christmas 1993. I'm thrilled. Place is doing great. I got San Diego Holly Davidson on the map the first year. I'm giving bonuses to people at our, at our Christmas party. How nice that is. That's great. Next day, I got this kid screaming, yelling, cursing because he's not happy at the control. Not at me, at her. I'm like, what? I fire him. Next thing I know, I got a lawsuit. That lawsuit lasted over a year. Oh, yeah. A year. Yeah. You got to send your marshal, you know, your, your, your managers down, this, down, that. How much does that cost every time? Oh, yeah. But, of course, the insurance company is handling the, the claim. Oh, that's great. Insurance companies handling the crime. Oh, everybody's, well, Mike, what are you complaining about? Oh, because I got to send my managers down for a day and pay them and they're not working? You don't think that costs? 
Oh, you got other employees. No, everybody's got a job to do. We we keep our employee, at, you know, our payroll at, at the least we have to have right. so we can still get the job done. But we're not, we can't afford to over. It's like there's a formula here. Yeah, for profitability. There's a formula here. So the... So at the end of a year, a year actually, it was a, almost a year and a half, and so the original suit was like 175000 Now he's looking for 75000 got the insurance going, we're going the next day. We've done all this work, the depositions and all the rest of it, right? Over a year and a half. The next, we're going to court the next day. When I get a call that night, the insurance company settled with them. What? They settled. Really? Are you kidding what they sell them? They gave him twenty six thousand dollars. I said, "What? Why? We're going to win in court. We have this. I know. I agree, but they didn't want to be in court, so yeah. they gave him twenty six thousand dollars." I said, "What the hell did you do?" First place. I mean, obviously, first thing I think of, it goes on my record. My rates are going to go up. Next thing I think of, wait a minute, it's also going towards. Them saying about insurable. Boom. You know, all this stuff. What I didn't count on was what happened three, four days later. That lawyer came in to the back of my shop and gave his card to every mechanic I had. Oh, gosh. I can't sure. Wait. Oh, yeah. But that's what they do. On and on and on. Wow. It doesn't happen. I, I have similar employee uh, suing, of course, because you have a business in America. You have everybody has a similar story. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yes, guys, I took care of hundreds of thousands of dollars in a loss. I'm like hundreds of thousand dollars for what? Yeah, uh, yeah. Unbelievable. For some lawyer, unbelievable. For some lawyer to make some money, unbelievable. And that's what it's all about. But you are irresponsible because you do not hate lawyers enough. <laughs> no, I don't hate. I don't hate anybody. You know, hate's not a good thing. I don't want. I don't want right, to deal so, with it. All right, so hit me with some. some hit me. Yes. Hit me with some Harley stories. Oh. All right, because we're we're gonna land the plane soon. But hit me with some because we could go. You and I can go all day. Give give me some Harley stories. Like twenty seven years you owned Harley, right? Twenty seven, twenty eight. Yeah. No, what brought you to San Diego? Let me give you the overall. What brought story. you? Give me what brought you to San Diego. Give you what? What brought you to San Diego? How, how, like my motorcycle. I know that. That's how I got here. Physically, I'm saying That's like. How I got what here. made you want to come? To, was it that three week visit after the military? Well, partially. Um, I, I, I was married before I had four kids. We lived in New York. Um, I was had a very successful business at Kennedy Airport. Um, and what business was that? I, I rented out the warehouses to the air freight industry, warehouses, truck terminals, all that at Kennedy. Yep. I was very, I was, I was the mayor of Kennedy Airport. Trust yeah. me on that one. And um, I had four kids. My oldest was twelve, and I looked at him. I looked at his friends, and I said, I don't want him. I don't want my kid to grow up like his friends, fathers, older brothers. I said, this is, something's wrong here. This is bad. This is really bad. Were they into bad stuff? They were just, they were all liberals. They were all Democrats. You know? They were all, you know, they were there. that's what it was. 
And I, I had Mario Cuomo was the governor. Yep. Oh, I mean, it was it was disgusting. It, the things that were going on in New York, it was disgusting. And I, and that was fine. Look, I you got to understand something. One of the first things I remember in life was going to school in kindergarten, and I'll never forget this. It's funny how you learn things, right? I'll never forget this. The, the, the school, the, the teachers standing there, I'm in kindergarten. It was not the first grade, because I remember that moment when I saw the first graders, they had pens in their pockets and their white shirts, because we used to get kind of dressed up for school, yeah. even back then. And the custodian was there, and it was raining out, and and the, the, the custodian offered the teacher his umbrella to walk her to the car, and, and she said, no, I'll, I'll, I'll walk in between the raindrops. I thought that was the coolest thing I ever heard in life. And so I've been spending my entire life trying to walk between the raindrops. <laughs> that's, wow. That's, I it's, like it. It's kind of a thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's kind of a thing. Love that. So I, 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 I looked at it and I'm going, I got to get my kid out of here. Because, you know, it, I wanted my kid to grow up with American values, not in this New York environment with all his friends at 12 years old. They're talking about, are you going to go to Yale, Princeton, or Harvard? And they were always worried about their grades because they want to get in college. You have to have these grades. You gotta, look, I mean, I appreciate learning. I really do. Honest to God. Yeah. But I didn't appreciate. It's not what you do. It's how you do it and why you do it, and what your motivation is, mm. and all that. So I, I wanted my kids to have the right motivations to learn for knowledge, to make themselves a better person. But they're worried about getting into Harvard? I mean, but this is what the, this is what the left does. This is what liberal America is all about. And I'm like, whoa, 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 I, I can't. And there was more. Yeah. There was all the yeah. Cuomo stuff, and there was all, you know, there was a lot of, lot of left-wing stuff going on at the time, and I said, it's time to go. And so we had a beautiful home. We had, I mean, everything. And I had, I, I did spend about three weeks in San Diego in 1966 when I came back from Vietnam yeah. with my best friend at the time, uh, John Thomas, who lived in San Diego. And uh, uh, we left South Carolina. It's another long story, but I, I'm not going to tell it. But we left in his 1965 Bonneville convertible. And drove across the country on Route 66. Route 66. In 1966, without even thinking about buying a camera. <laughs> and yeah, we it, it's a it's a it's a great story. But anyway, so I remembered, and I had been in San Diego, uh, and and we drove across the country and and uh, took the kids in the van, and you know took them through all these things to see, and yeah, and then we. Came to San Diego. Um, I flew back to New York. My business was at Kennedy Airport. Yeah. I flew back every week. Every Monday morning, I'd be on the plane, American Airlines, the same seat, <laughs> and get to Kennedy Airport, 4 o'clock. Um, I'd have my meetings set up right there. Uh, get on a 5 or 5.30 American flight back to San Diego. Did that for two years. How long would you spend in at Kennedy Airport, a couple hours, that's it? No, I'd get there Monday, leave on Friday. Oh, Friday, okay, I so you spent the, the whole week. week. Oh, gotcha, the whole week. the whole week. Yeah, I'd work, that's my business, at Kennedy Airport. You know, renting out all the space. At the time, 
I was also president of the JFK Airport Chamber of Commerce. Huh. Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, I had a big career at Kennedy Airport. No kidding. Saw the first Rotary Club. Some of the things I did in 1968 and 69 at Kennedy Airport, I started the first Christmas party for handicapped kids. It's still going on today. Wow. We started with PS, some PS in Queens. One of the guys in the Rotary Club had a son who was handicapped and went to this school. We, we, so that's how it all started up. And um, it grew and grew and grew. And, of course, we had you know the airline support. That we, I mean, I got Catholic Charities Office of the Handicapped. Yeah. I'm Jewish. I'm not a Jew. I'm a Jew. I'm not yeah. a Catholic. Um, and, but, but I was friendly you know, with... Um, um, father, father, father. I can't remember his name now, but it was the same name as the Boys Town. F- father, whatever. Flanagan. Flanagan. That was it. Tom Flanagan. Yep. Father Flanagan. And this is a long time ago. It's, it's sometimes some names don't come that yeah, easy. Yeah. But Tom Flanagan was part of the Rotary Club. He was the uh, the father of Our Lady of the Skies at Kennedy Airport. And he came to me one day and said that the guy died who handled the um, um, the, the Thanksgiving thing that they had, um, ter- had Thanksgiving for the handicapped kids and stuff. And the, so I took that over because he insisted. I said, "Why are you coming to me? I'm a Jew." <laughs> so we did it, and at Kennedy Airport, you know, I'd buy the turkeys. In like September, because they can get them really cheap, and we'd store them in all the catering facilities for the airlines, free. Wow! And the hotels, the hilt that the airport was big, you know. All that. So we were able to buy it cheap and then have it, and, and you know. So it, it was, so, you know, I did all that stuff. Kennedy Airport was a great place for me. Yeah. You know, but it was also a horrible place. I mean, everything's controlled by the mafia. Everything. Everything. Is, everything's the mob. Everything. Did you have to pay him off? Did you have to? No. No, I I didn't. But I had my moments. You had your moments. There was was some, there was some, you know, nose to nose, (laughs) nose to nose moments. But hey, you do what you do. You get through it. Yeah. You got to stand up. The reason that I I think that you you got the mafia and you got the lawyers. When it's the mafia, when it's the mob, and they come and they threaten you, you can threaten them back. You, You just... Hey, I got guns in my car too, buddy. I got friends. You know, my friends aren't as nice as your friends. They don't wear suits and ties. So hello, you wanna, you know, let's you know get this off. Hey Mike, we don't we don't really want to do all that. Well then why are you talking like that? Okay. You get that done. Yeah. When it's the lawyers, you get oh, oh, Mr. Shelby, hi. By the way, here's some paperwork for you. <laughs> and the next thing you know, you got so much to go. It's, it's extortion. Either way, it's extortion. On one set of extortion, it's like the playground rules, right? Yep. It's the way it is. It's, it could be nasty. It's still playground rules. Yeah. And the other set, you need three college educations and an accountant and your own lawyer. So, you know, you, you go figure it out. That's why I always say. <laughs> yeah. I ran. But I, I went through those days. I got I got through it. And, um, oh, man. I think I know the difference. Yeah, we could dig into that for a, in a, whole, a, whole, a whole, nother, po- a whole yeah. nother podcast just on that alone, dude. 
we're gonna have to do a two and three point I'm already like I think we're just gonna set aside the next the two point ju- just be JFK. Let, a, and then another one three point just Harley Davidson. All right, Harley, so land land the plane in San Diego here somehow. I'll some land way. the plane in San Diego. You got here, San, San Diego. San Diego is a wonderful place with wonderful people. Yeah, you're, so you were go- flying back for the week, but your kids were here. Yeah, they started going to school. Yeah, 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 yeah. How yeah. was that working out? Good. It worked out. You yeah. know, it worked out. It, it was, it was uh, the way it was. You yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and and it worked out fine. You know, I I flew up and back. Sometimes I'd stay in New York an extra few days. I had business, you know. You're trying to make a living and make money, which not good. I was able to do. Yeah. And then finally, I sold off some of my properties, my last property, and I said, "That's it for New York," and good. That was. And then it took me about another year, and I I had a little um, a restaurant on Prospect Street with some partners and. You know, I had some other stuff. I I, I, I had some other deals. I kept yeah. on looking. And then eventually, like I told you, this San Diego Harley Davidson came available. Who was the restaurant in uh, Prospect? Uh, the uh, Skybox. Skybox? Yeah. On top of La Valencia. Yeah. I've been in there. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. Right, my wife and I ate in there several times. That's funny. Yes. No. Really? Yes. No, that goes back a long. We're going back thirty years. No, I was. I, they, it was called the Skybox when I went there. It was uh, fifteen, seventeen, eighteen years ago. No. Yeah. No, I, they, Whatever it was called, it was no, at the I top did. of La Valencia. That's funny. Yeah. Well, maybe those guys kept it. I got sent. It's like a Harley. tiny. It was only a four little table yeah, restaurant. Yeah, yeah, it was a little. Small it was like place. a thing that you had to know somebody to even know about. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, it, I wouldn't say it was secret, but it was small. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. there were you know there were other things that I saw, and then you know, and then I finally got once I got San Diego Harley, that was it. That was my dream. Yeah, you know that was it. That was wonderful. But that's you know Harley Davidson is a whole story in and of itself. I know. I mean Harley Davidson, right now I want to say is committing suicide by what they're doing, what they're going through with their whole corporate entity, and they you know it's it's go woke, go broke. Yeah. That's what Harley's doing. Wow. They went woke. And it, it looks like they might go. But they're going to be safe. We'll save them. It'll, it'll be fine. It's going to take a while. There's going to be some people who are going to get hurt. Are they I st- got hurt. You got hurt in it? Well, yeah. I mean, look at look what happened. Harley Davidson. Well, you know, I was on Fox Business News because the day before, somebody else I knew was on Fox Business News talking about the fact that Harleys were being made in, um, in um, Thailand. It's like, what? This is bullshit. But nonetheless, you know, they, they, they talked about it like it was actually a fact. And these, these you know, Harley Davidson made in China. No, it's not true. So I get on, but I called the CEO at the time, Matt Levitage, and I said, Matt, I'm going on Harley business to counter what was said yesterday. Oh, good. Well, no, not just oh, good. I want some backup. I want yeah. some... No, Mike, it's it's good, you know, let me, you know, don't, whatever, I don't remember. I get on air, and and I got, um, what's his name, the black guy, um, tough guy. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm on there, and I'm saying, listen, they as, we assemble bikes in, well, we've been in, assembling bikes in Brazil, because you can't send a fully assembled bike to Brazil. They, they make you disassemble it and reassemble it, and you got to pay all that. So we've been saying that for 40 years. And now we're going to get over the, the, the tariffs and all that. 
by assembling bikes. He says, well, that's what we said. You're making bikes in China. No, no, no. We're assembling bikes. They're made here. They're manufactured in America. And it's, uh, he said, that's semantics, Mike. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the television, the whole thing. Come back, call the next day or that day, whatever. And I said, guys, you know, this is, this is a battle. And they, Harley Corporate didn't didn't give a rat's ass. It didn't phase them. I said, Matt, I'm talking to the CEO. Matt, don't you understand? They did not get how people get that image that Harley's made. Of. If you got this, you got to change it. Yeah. You got. They didn't want to do it. So I had people come to me. Well, why am I buying a Harley? It's the, the only reason I ever rode a Harley is because it's American. Okay. Right. I sold a, a great BSA. To get that Harley, which was a piece of shit, you know, that's 1967. I think it was a 50-whatever Harley. And <laughs> I had to borrow some money. I traded in the bike, sold the bike, had to borrow money to get But I rode American. Yeah. It's like when I told you, my dad and his friends, they saved the world. I'm riding American. Right. And, and, I, and I've always felt that way. Now, if Harley is going to forget that, which they're forgetting... And now they're talking about, oh, we're going to ride all, all electric. You want to talk about electric? I could talk all day about electric. It's a, it's snake oil. It's a bullshit story. It's a ripoff. You wait. You talk about SDG and E yeah, doubling yeah. their rates. Yes. You wait until you got to start paying to charge your car. When they have enough electric cars out there, where you're not going to get your 11 cents a kilowatt hour between 12 a.m. and 6 a.m., and you're going to have to pay through the freaking nose? How are you going to feel about it then when it's going to cost as much to charge your electric vehicle as it costs to put gas it's in, happening. in, your, in your, your American vehicle? And by the way, what, what's, what's actually going to happen is technology is going to take over and we're going to move on. We have nuclear fusion that's coming. We have, you know, the creativity. This is what America is great. This is why America has had all these strides. Because freedom, as chaotic as it is, it helps you think in all these ways that, you know, you get your Thomas Edison's and, and you know, all the great thinkers and the inventors and all, they come from America. How much more have we invented and created than every other place on the planet Earth? And we will go with what's next. Why we're not using nuclear energy right now? Because of the left-wing climate change mor morons? I don't know the answer to why not. <laughs> I just know the answer to why is going to be how hard we, the people, work to make it happen. But that's what's going to happen. And it's, look, can we land this plane? Yeah. I'm losing my voice. I'm losing my voice. <laughs> I already lost my mind. <laughs> now I'm losing my voice. You got water. I gave you water. You've been taking one sip. I don't drink water. You drank you drink no. just coffee? No, I don't drink water. Fish fucking it. Oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> we end it now. Thank yeah. you. All and right. So, yeah, give the uh, <laughs> listeners and the, and, the, and the watchers one, one little piece of advice that uh, people that are thinking that the world is tough right now and that, uh, you know, they don't know what to do, where to turn. Uh, that the country's being divided right now. 
everybody's worried about stuff. Okay, leave him with a little Mike New York Mike Pearl on the way out of here. I don't have a pearl. I don't have a pearl. No, I don't have a pearl. But if I haven't given you my advice in the last freaking two two hours, yeah. three, with, yeah, my two, God. I know. Are you serious? Yeah. I haven't looked at my watch. Two and a half. Wow. Yeah. You did Man. it, dude. Yeah. Blows me away. Come on. Anyway, look, you you were born. And I'll I'll give you something that I give to I'll give to the the my this the guys that I served with, and and the guys coming back from Afghanistan. Yeah. Okay. We went overseas, and we fought for America just like my dad did, right? And your dad did, and there's other okay, and like you did, yep. we fought for America while we were being shot at. While we were walking, walking through the tulips of landmines and IEDs, we while we were watching our fellow high school student guys, college guys get blown up and beat up, we fought for America under the most adverse, horrible situations called war, which changed us, every single one of us, for the rest of our lives. Okay, we we fought. We stay there. For you guys from Afghanistan and Iraq, you stay there under 120-degree heat, the worst, most adverse conditions ever. And you had to wear full-blown everything, all right? You went and you still fought for America. Then you come home, and all you do is complain and bitch and moan and commit suicide, and this is bullshit, and PTSD is bullshit. If you could fight for America under the adverse conditions of war, come back here and fight for America under what you think? You think this is adverse? Bullshit. This is nothing. This is the friendliest skies you'll ever fly on. This is America. It's worth fighting for. If it was worth your friends dying for, it's worth living your life worthy of that sacrifice. Stop complaining and get involved. Make mistakes. Say the wrong thing. Stand up. Look stupid. But fight for America and you'll never do what's wrong. You'll always be doing what's right. God bless you and God bless America. And God bless New York Mike. That's a wrap. Real deal talk. Let's go, baby. Uh. (laughs) Look at you. That's it, baby. Let's go.